Hello everyone and welcome to Millennial Rewind, where we take a not-so-sentimental look at the movies and TV shows that were around when millennials were growing up. I'm your host, Nick, coming to you from the Samuel L. Jackson capital of the world, Los Angeles, California. And joining me here in the City of Angels is my co-host, Jules. Jules, how are you doing today? Well, I was going to go mountain climbing, but decided to be a chef at a World War II submarine pen in the Atlantic because it's much safer. (laughs) Far fewer yetis. And coming to you from the Alzheimer's of Southern California, the England Empire, is my other co-host, John. John, what's happening? I've just been violently lashing out at my sedators. (laughs) Yes, and we don't appreciate it. Before we get started, if you like what you hear today, please do us a favor and hit that subscribe button. Also, be sure to share the show with anyone you think might like to listen as well. And all that nonsense is because we watched the 1999 shark movie, Deep Blue Sea. And John, how would you tell someone you watched Deep Blue Sea without using the title? Eh, I still think it's safe to go back in the water. (laughs) (laughs) Or to just stand close to the water, right? (laughs) Oh, I only do that when I actively piss on myself, so... (laughs) (laughs) and jules of the producers that asked you to come up with a different title for this movie what would it be uh jules rassic aquarium (laughs) well done (laughs) (laughs) oh my god seriously this movie wanted to be jurassic park so fucking hard oh my god it hurts everything after jurassic park wanted to be jurassic park yeah but at what point because it went through so much trivia before we watched this movie and it kept talking about being inspired by and with with all these little tidbits and it's just ripped off stop stop saying you're inspired by you are literally tearing shit out and putting it in your movie and pasting it on with really shitty super glue okay yeah but who's writing this trivia (laughs) fans of the movie yeah exactly if the (laughs) filmmaker said we were inspired by jurassic park we'd be like no shit. <laughs> but <laughs> look, this movie happened because Jaws got drunk and saw Jurassic Park across at a bar and is like, hey, let's make a let's make a movie together. Yeah, let's go back to my place. One of the quotes was that, you know, the shark in Jaws was twenty five foot long and they went for twenty six to <laughs> Which is basically them desperately trying to say, No, it's totally not um any any hint of Jaws here. We're just uh at a one to that number and <laughs> no i i think that would be more of a see how much bigger and meaner our shark is because <laughs> jaws was only 25 <laughs> that's really what it sounds like it's it just the petty one-upmanship of that <laughs> that that deal. <laughs> you know it's like oh i i set a world record i deadlifted you know a thousand pounds well someone just did a thousand and one Like that kind of shit is what it sounds like to me. So guys, what was your experience watching this movie when it came out back in 1999? Jules. Well, it was, it was definitely, it was another one of those watchable movies on when the movie channels came out in England. So I did not see it in the theater. It was iconic for the Samuel L. Jackson death. That was somehow both surprising and pointless at the same time. And definitely holds a place in my heart as the dumbest ever protagonist speech (laughs) that the assertion he makes about losing a few lives to mutated sharks aren't worth curing all degenerative brain diseases. 
I, I remember specifically, I that's the very first time I said I just said out loud, you're wrong to the protagonist. I, I, full on, <laughs> I full on challenged him on my couch. I want to see a Jules debate a movie, just him <laughs> sitting there, like debating it one sided and just watching him. We'll find a movie. I've argued with many a street sign. It's, it's <laughs> kind of my thing. John, how about you? I didn't see it. Okay. I worked at a movie theater when this came out. And so my knowledge of it was the sounds of people that were clearly having a good time and then sweeping up their trash and popcorn while LL Cool J kept mentioning how his hat is like a shark fin. (laughs) (laughs) That song at the end is pretty awesome, except for the line that just keeps repeated over and over and over to try and be a chorus. Everything else in that song is fucking badass. But the fact that it's just over and over and over, uh, it's kind of soured me on it because that was the only thing I could think of when I when anyone would talk about this movie. So I knew about the Sam Jackson death. I'd been shown that clip. I knew kind of what it was about, but I never bothered because plenty of other big, dumb, fun movies have come out. And I never got to it until now for for this. And I enjoyed the shit out of it. I've been missing out this entire time. I love the idea that LL Cool J, if he would have made a song about Free Willy, he would have said his hat's like a blowhole. (laughs) (laughs) Where did LL Cool J go? I feel like he disappeared. He didn't disappear. He's in he's in stuff every now and again. Actually, the the one thing after coming out of this movie is that I actually thought LL Cool J wasn't a bad actor, which which surprised me. <laughs> I actually kind of enjoyed. He has a little moments. Yeah, I agree. He has little moments, but that's it. He is largely unnecessary, despite the fact that he kills two out of the three sharks. <laughs> <It's true. laughs> he is the top dog shark killer. Yeah. I don't get why he's there because the role was originally for Samuel L. Jackson, and apparently his representation or something said that he's too good to play the cook. So they wrote a new role for Sam Jackson because they really want him. But yet they kept this other role in the movie and it became pointless. It became very pointless. Yes, we'll we'll, we'll dive hard into that. I just really wish that there was um, a throwaway moment in Parks and Rec that I wish was true. That there's an alternate version where LO Cool J raps all of his dialogue. I know. <laughs> there's a part of me that really wants that too. <laughs> You killed my bird. (laughs) On Parks and Rec, they're helping someone move and they keep getting distracted. One person sees Deep Blue Sea in the dude's um, movie collection. And he's like, that's the Canadian version. It's got an extra 28 minutes and LL Cool J raps all his dialogue. (laughs) So this movie was my predator. Seriously. This is the movie that fucking scarred me. Oh my God. Uh, listener, John nearly choked on his water and died right then and there. You can cut that part out. <laughs> I want to keep it in. And I, I, lo- I love the idea that we have John choking every time there's a really stupid moment to the movie. We just... <laughs> Fuck! Oh, I'd, I'd be unstoppable on this one. I would be unstoppable. Like the repeated groans that I gave you during Leprechaun. <laughs> Let's just start right now. I'll start sipping, and you can explain how uh, wine is mistaken for blood. 
You're on even with that. We gotta get to the breakdown. Come no, on. No, no, hang on. Let me let me tell you my story, then we'll get to the breakdown. We're almost there. Oh shit, Nikki is in full story. I told fucking story. <laughs> yeah, so this movie was my predator. This is the movie that fucking scarred me as a child. Oh my god. I am ninety percent sure I watched this on video during a sleepover with a friend in broad daylight. Like it was like broad daylight when we watched this and it scared the living fuck out of me. Oh my God. It scared me so bad. I could not go into a fucking pool. I mean, Jules couldn't go for walks after Predator, so that, you know, that comparison tracks, sure. But here's the thing. So my house in South Africa had a pool and the pool had a pool house. And once when we were renovating our house, we all had to live in the pool house until the renovations in the main house were done, which meant that every night... Because there, were, like, there was like one or two rooms, like the kitchen, and a, there was like one room we could like chill in in the main house. So every night we'd have to walk through the garden, past the pool to get to the pool house. And let me tell you, this was fucking terrifying. Every single time I would beg my brother to walk with me to the ha- pool house every time because I was so fucking scared. Like some nights he would just be like, no, dude, just go to the fucking pool. Like it's stupid. It was a fucking movie. Just go. I'm like, no, it's scary. Shark's going to kill me. (laughs) dude. So I was actually worried about watching this movie for the show and getting like, you know, flashbacks of the terror that I had as a child. And luckily, no, I was able to watch this fine. I'm over it. I'm a grown ass man. Asterisk. But (laughs) Yeah, this thing fucking terrified me. Holy shit. Well, it's a good thing you never watched Ghost Shark then, because that is a movie where a shark can literally come out of any body of water, including a mop bucket at one point. How old were you when you saw it? Yeah, I was 11. My sort of hyperactive imagination. I was also like not inoculated against scary movies at this point. Everyone remembers that first. But yeah, it's it's the idea that, you know, even with Jaws, you know, just getting in a pool was terrifying. I still remember that. Oh, by the time I saw Jaws, see, because I had such trauma from this, by the time I saw Jaws, I'm like, nah, whatever. <laughs> I don't remember my first. I think I'm with horror. I think I'm like Tom Hardy Bane and was just born to it. <laughs> Because again, my preschool movies of choice were Labyrinth and the Dark Crystal. My brother, even my dad would like hide in my sister's closet and do like, make like little Skeksis noises and stuff in the movie. And she would freak the fuck out. I thought it was funny. I'm five years old. <laughs> the only reason to have kids is to fuck with them. I, I will. <laughs> yeah, but then you got to keep them. <laughs> You just got to keep your scare tactics escalating throughout the course of their life until they are completely broken adults. That's just how that works. We have to take Nick to a pool and uh, bring a bottle of wine and um, at the opportune moments, just not not for us, though. That's no, no, to no, tempt no. the sharks. Of course. Of course, we'll, we'll, we'll claim it's a beautiful vintage. We get the whiskey. <laughs> This is a massive derailment. Yeah, these guys are itching to break down this movie, so we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we are going to break down the beautiful sharktasticness that is Deep Blue Sea. 
Well, this must be the place. When you said we'd be vacationing in an abandoned submarine refueling station, I had my doubts, but this looks nice. I'm so glad you're coming around, and I know you'll just love wine tasting. And look at those windows. I bet there's fantastic views day and night. Welcome to Chateau Thalassa Vineyard. Checking in? Oh, yes, sir. Yes, we are. Yes, we have a reservation under Daddy and Mommy Shark. Ah, yes, there we are. Here's the seven-digit keypad code to your room. And be sure to slip on back down for our sanguine samplings. A few moments later. Hello and welcome, couples. We recommend Between Vials to take advantage of our Parrot Palette Cleansers. Our first Catamaran Cabernet comes of Baja, California, a popular destination for the affluent. It has been aged 23 years. Oh, darling, you smell that bouquet? It smells of privilege and unaccountability. That tangy hint is at a, a popped collar? Madame has quite the refined palette. It's a little rich for my blood. <laughs> Get it? Because we're, we're having blood. Monsieur, would you prefer a smoother wine? Something, as you say, heftier. Midwest Middle Class Merlot is a low iron blend and comes in partnership with Disney Cruise Lines. Mmm, fatty and oily. <laughs> Nothing finishes like a sweet corn syrup aftertaste, I'll tell you. Our final selection is an extremely rare, small batch, yet worth the price. Chimeric Claret is initially flash-frozen in the Himalayan Alps. It's totally a place. Before being refined at negative elevations. I have definitely heard of the Himalayan Alps. And oh my god, that is just rich, powerful, and stylish. Honey, honey, what is that flavor? Oh my gosh. Oh, I have no idea. I've never tasted anything like this before. That fell, you have heard of it. It is melanin. Hey, John, buddy. Yeah, I just read the script for D Blue Sea. That sketch you wrote. Uh, really, really good. Okay. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm worried that the audience might not get it. I mean... Yeah, you know, it's making some pretty specific references to certain things in the movie that they might not remember before we start the breakdown, you know. Then they just need to get on my level. Well, I get that, but... They need to get on my motherfucking level. Okay, okay, John, okay. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> And we're back, and uh, it's nice that Warner Brothers is continuing its grand tradition of messing with its opening logo. I do appreciate that, even for this, you know, high-budget B-movie. <laughs> we start off with some rich young pricks on a catamaran, and I'm just like, mm, I hope they die. They look like assholes. I have a note. I dub this frat guy Chad because he makes a stupid I feel something joke, and I dub the bikini girl Cindy for laughing at it. I already know what kind of movie I'm in for. You've got the the pretty rich kids out on a boat with shitty cheesy dialogue. This is going to be fun. And even before we even get there because I have just all caps with punctuation after each word. Deep blue sea like the way the title just comes up <laughs> in the first place lets you know what you're in for here. They stole the music from Halloween. They give it a serial killer theme song 
wants to go with these shots. Maybe, maybe the general vibe, but this music is nowhere nearly as good as Halloween. How dare you, sir? <laughs> How dare you? Yeah, so the, it's it's two, it's four of them. There's two couples. Like one's making out over there, another's making out over there. They got a boombox on really close to the edge of the water, which just seems stupid. It's playing generic 90s R&B. Is it generic? Because I didn't bother to look, but now that you mention it, I have a feeling maybe it's some LL Cool J. <laughs> when we get to the moment when LL Cool J is introduced, I so wanted him to be listening to LL Cool J. It would, <laughs> <laughs> it would right? have been so good. I waited in the credits, but sadly it's not. I really wish it was. <laughs> we also get our first like look at the shark vision. Like We see it underwater because one of the girls is like dangling her foot in the water. Why isn't it moving? And it seems really close and we know that this shark wants to attack it could easily as we'll see later on like just dash up and yoink her in the water but doesn't i had basically the same note just a little bit later of how is this first person shark view stationary <laughs> more to the point why does the shark see straight ahead of it that is very true it has eyes on either side of its head they swivel forward shark pov <laughs> This movie sucks at all the science, and we will get there, but yes, this is a good starting off point at how this movie fucking sucks at all the science. Because you don't realize it yet, but it's smart enough to know that it needs to look ahead. <laughs> but let's let's pop the cork on science, shall we, and talk about this wine spill. Oh, 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 oh my god! Yes. Yeah, because the boat gets rocked and a bottle of red wine spills into the ocean. And I think the movie's trying to imply that a shark can't tell the difference between blood in the water and red wine in the water. Right? I love that. I am amazed at how far I need to lean back to shout about this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaning back to laugh. It's what, what I found amazing was, again, because I was looking through the trivia, all these fans were saying, but no, these are super intelligent sharks who would think blood could be based on appearance instead of smell. That is so much horse shit. I know. <laughs> That's so dumb. <laughs> who the hell is defending this movie? I don't know. Look, this movie is actually like surprisingly enjoyable, despite the fact that I spent many traumatized years. But look, don't pretend it's something that it's not. Okay, enjoy it for what it is. The sharks themselves are the smartest thing about this movie. <laughs> and they're pretty dumb, as I will explain later. So these, these particular sharks clearly um, have a taste for Cabernet. <laughs> I'm sorry, is this Cabernet? <laughs> it's Chianti, I don't know. Or Merlot. You don't know. <laughs> Could be a blend. So this giant shark crashes through the wooden partition on this catamaran, and somehow every single person on this boat falls backwards into the water, two on one side, two on the other. I love the dude who backheads his girlfriend as well. It's like a really good soccer move. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I literally have that too. And, and as she's falling, she basically grabs and pulls him with her. She takes him with her. You're going with me too, motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. They'd have both been fine if, you know, there wasn't accidental assault. The referee turns up, shows them both a yellow card. <laughs> for diving yeah it doesn't show a red card because otherwise the shark would bite him and then uh, a guy on the other end of the boat starts rolling around because the head somehow caused him to fall over of course <laughs> yeah. i know how soccer works 
I know how to play. So this is fucking crazy because he the shark has like magically teleported to like 50 feet away <laughs> and as we will later learn sh- the, the shark can like swim in reverse uh, this will be revealed later so he doesn't need to go all that way he could just be like cool coming down coming back chompy here chompy there doesn't have to do that but does that just to build up some tension because they're trying to get back up this rope that's on the side of the catamaran but because there's a lot of give they're just pulling it pulling it pulling it pulling it pulling it and it looks like they're about to get bitten and there's a thomas jane x machina (laughs) well let's not forget that this shark learned how to attack from jaws and uh world war ii documentaries because he attacks from the surface with his fin fully visible as opposed to from underwater as is tradition, <laughs> as is tradition. Yes. yeah this shark forgot how to shark <laughs> yeah as he's going we have this harpoon and because thomas jane has the magical power of invisibility due to being out of frame <laughs> <laughs> no one noticed the boat <laughs> when did his boat pull up and stop so that it's not making any noise or it's fully stationary yes or causing a wake and not moving at all (laughs) because we opened with these very wide shots sometimes even overhead and there was only this catamaran of you know rich expendables (laughs) but where how did he track the shark? Is there a tracker? Because if there is a tracker, this totally negates the fucking climax of the movie. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, you're making me show my hand early, but Thomas Jane has, is basically Aquaman. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. He's fucking Aquaman. Oh, and we will get into that. And he's blonde, so you know. And I do want to bring up the fan theory because, again, I just love this trivia so much. Apparently, this first shark escape wasn't an actual escape. He was doing a Steve McQueen from The Great Escape, where he was a decoy and a scouting escape in order to communicate back with the sharks back in the pen. <laughs> it's a thing. Sure. Why the fuck not? <laughs> You know what? I could buy it, but too bad Thomas Jane had to go and kill him. <laughs> I want to see the movie where sharks are like out in the yard in the pens under the water and are like, you know, digging a tunnel and they've to like, you know, walk around and like drop out of their pants, you know, the dirt that they dug up. <laughs> like in the greatest game, just do do casual shark. <laughs> casual shark. <laughs> casual shark. Casual shark. This will not be the only baby shark joke i think we're gonna make in this movie for sure (laughs) anyways cut to los angeles downtown los angeles so helicopter lands on a skyscraper and this helicopter landing is brought to you by wells fargo i do want to bring up as well that this is the return of the dramatic helicopter and i was really half expecting dennis leary to come out (laughs) (laughs) nice but this helicopter is not nearly epic enough for dennis leary that's true It it was a little understated as in it was only immensely epic as opposed to the most epic helicopter in the world so yeah out comes susan like the main doctor of the shark facility that we'll learn about later inside an office uh samuel jackson who's like head of the company slaps down a newspaper with the shark attack on the front page because 90s (laughs) tells her that you know he sunk a lot of money into her lab and he's gonna shut her down because you know he's got to protect the company's stock price i I have a question already. Fire away. Why didn't Thomas Jane just let the kids die? 
<laughs> because how else did this story happen? Oh, fuck. How the fuck did this story break? I guess the kids said something. One of them had a disposable camera. Like, I, who the fuck knows? And so then they somehow found out that there's this facility that's researching sharks, and that's where it came from? What the fuck is this story? And the newspaper is nowhere near as amazing as Airbud, but it's <laughs> it looks to be pretty quality. There's... Talk about Formula One races <laughs> and Brett the Bomb Frost, who's a power forward. And also, school test scores are on the rise. So this is a very inspirational <laughs> movie. I like it. It makes you feel good. Yeah, and this is back in the days when USA Today meant something. <laughs> <laughs> that tickled me way more than it should have. Dr. Uh, played by Saffron Burrows. She gives a very sad story about her dad had Alzheimer's, and every time he had, she had to explain that her, her you know, mother died and her, his wife died because he kept forgetting. He would break down and it would crush him. And he's like, "What if you could stop all that suffering with a single pill?" Yeah, my note here is she's right, and I'm truly rooting for her for the rest of this movie. And that this movie will make her out to be the bad guy by the end. I don't get it. I just do not get it. I don't get how Samuel Jackson is. I'm not sure if he's the employee of or just really good friend of the 80s greatest villain who just sits there and is completely silent. Who is this old white guy who just sits at the table? I'll tell you who he is. He's the main bad guy of RoboCop and Total Recall. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. And he gets no lines. (laughs) He just sits. He literally just sits there. Samuel Jackson could have been in this chair and the scene would have gone exactly the same because he's clearly the one who's put up the money for this and he apparently doesn't even know how his money's being spent because she has to fill him in on everything. I mean, when you, at a certain level of richness, like you don't know what the fuck's going on, like several levels down. I mean, maybe he's there to liquidize any asses that get out of hand. Mm, there liquidize you go. Liquidize asses. <laughs> ah, ah. <laughs> so anyways, D- Susan's like, look, give me 48 hours and I will prove that your research is working or I will help you pack the lab myself. She storms out. Which translates into you have to come with me to the lab. I cannot send you my findings i can't you know convey this research in literally any other way it's not like fax machines exist you have to come with me out into the middle of the ocean to our secret facility it's the ultimate i've got something to show you (laughs) did he have to close his eyes and hold out his hand I think this move, this counts as like, uh, you know, we're going to continue this conversation like several hours later because they're now in a seaplane <laughs> flying towards this facility. Oh, it absolutely counts for that. <laughs> <laughs> so we learned a little bit about Samuel Jackson's backstory. She's like, hey, you're you, you were the guy who like survived that avalanche. And he's like, yep. But I'm not going to tell you that whole story just now. We, we got to. <laughs> I, I do love this, though. I do love this, though. She claims that she read the article about him, but she doesn't get the mountain range right. She says, <laughs> she says the Alps and it's the Himalayas. <laughs> Both those words and locations could not be further apart. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the, she clearly did not read this article. You got the hemisphere. <laughs> 
It's not even a dot on the map. Look, she's going to clearly need the medicine that she's creating. Like, okay, she's starting to go. <laughs> so they fly over this facility. There's, you know, there, there, there's like pens in the water and there's a building out there. And she's like, yeah, this is uh, this facility was used to, to load and refuel submarines during World War II. And I'm going to go ahead and push X to doubt. Because there's, <laughs> I could find zero fucking evidence of like sub pens in the middle of the Pacific Ocean because it would be a stupid place to build them. You have this exposed ass facility in the middle of the ocean. There's no cover from like a you know land base. There's a reason why the Nazis built them in giant fucking bunkers in the mountain. Like, no. This, this was not a thing. And why would they build the lab there? Because otherwise you don't have a movie. <laughs> Well, because the facility already exists, so we'll just repurpose it for our needs. That's the excuse they're basically making. It's an interesting location. It's just not practical in any way. (laughs) No, just build SeaWorld for sharks. You've got to send boats constantly to bring people to and from. I mean, you. Yeah, it's definitely a because movie. <laughs> my, my note here is welcome to Thalassic Park. <laughs> I, I don't get it. Thalassic is related to, to water and oceans. Thanks for getting that, Jules. Uh, so we meet Thomas Jane uh, again. And he's speaking fluid Spanish with a shark wrangler. And pay attention, pay attention, because he does speak quite a lot with a person, which they will then claim he doesn't normally do. <laughs> yes. Um, Susan and Samuel Jackson landed and they meet Janice, also known as Jan, a marine biologist. And I, I got a question here for you guys, because he asked him about where's where's tattoo? And she's like, what? You know, de plane, boss, de plane. Like, who the fuck is he talking about? He's making a reference to a show called Fantasy Island. Oh. At the beginning of it, there was this character named Tattoo and always the plane, the plane. And I hate this partially because <laughs> on a, a week long fishing trip every there was this one guy that every time there was a small airplane flying by he would do that and thought it was the funniest fucking thing and it's never funny when anyone does it probably up to including tattoo himself yeah samuel jackson freaks out because he sees thomas jane diving into the water with this big fuck off tiger shark and he's like hey what the fuck and this is where again um <laughs> jules's aquaman or was it john it was john yes yes we have the start of thomas jane aquaman yes thomas this confirms uh, john's theory that he is aquaman because he somehow manages to like as the shark is going for him sl- position himself to like slide onto its back and ride the dorsal fin to get a fucking license plate out of its teeth yes but it's even stupider than that because he gets right in front of the fucking shark that's charging him and gets his hand like right on the tip of its snout. If you just picture in your head a shark's anatomy, shit is designed where you're slipping into its mouth. Like that's <laughs> that's where this goes. Instead, he slides down the side, holds on to the dorsal fin, and is somehow able to reach up into its mouth to get this license plate out. It's amazing. I was just enjoying the uh, clearly tiger roar that they gave to the tiger shark, not understanding how biology works. (laughs) (laughs) One fun piece of trivia, because like I said, I went through all that fucking shit. So I'm hoping to find something interesting. (laughs) Apparently, uh, Thomas Jane did actually swim with a shark. And they made sure it was the final shot of the filming. (laughs) 
because they didn't want to ruin the whole production. But I thought that was kind of cool because apparently he's also scared of sharks. So it was uh, like a impressive moment for Wait, him. Wait, which shot is the one with him actually swimming with a shark? I believe it's him. I, I, I imagine it's probably this shot as well. Yeah. Where he's on the back of a fucking shark? Yeah. Like, actually? Fuck out of here. Incredible, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, anyways, he gets the license played out. Uh, apparently did this for fucking real Jesus Christ director. Um, and he gets out of the water. Again, it's it was the it was literally his last shot of filming. Fucking hell. So he gets out of the water and tells Susan, who happens to be there, a really weird fantasy story, his headcanon about how the shark got a fucking license plate in its mouth. Yeah, it's just so awkward. Unnecessary. <laughs> yeah, like and awkward. It's yes. awkward and it, and it takes a while. It's it's like, yeah, he used to live in a guy's tag and then he killed the guy and he drove his truck down to Mexico after filling it up with water and he used the license plate to pick the guy's but it's like, what the fuck is this story, dude? Let's enjoy the fact that the movie steals the finding a license plate in a tiger shark that is not the real sharks that the movie will have. Just literally torn out from Jaws and just sort of placed right there. Oh, no, it's better than that, Jules, because the Louisiana and the numbers on it are exactly the same. Exactly. It's unbelievable. It's not just the concept. It is the license plate from Jaws. Maybe not exact prop, of course. I swear, (laughs) if teacher received these three scripts... She would be bringing all three in to have a talk about copying each other's work. This is plagiarism. This is, it gets even worse. No, guys, it's an homage. This is plagiarism. It's, just a, it's a nod and a wink. It's a nod and a wink. How much can you get away with ripping off two great movies? I, I This movie really just right on that tightrope. So Thomas Jane doesn't like Samuel Jackson. He doesn't like rich suits. He kind of lets him know that and walks off but apparently because samuel jackson got full sentences he should uh he should take that as a good sign uh jan lets him know that as we just saw and i told you to remember he just had a very long and eloquent conversation with another guy in spanish yeah and told a whole story about a shark i want to attribute it as well this is someone he works with and he's very familiar with and now here comes the big suit so he brushes him off but the way she mentions that he's really gruff and unresponsive you get the impression that's how he should be dealing with everybody you're absolutely right (laughs) so Jan explains that uh, that was a normal shark that Thomas Jane was riding in fact there are two gen 1 modified sharks and a gen 2 and they're all female and you kind of see this like shadow swimming under the water and she's like yeah pretty scary stuff Stuff, huh? And okay, writer, settle down. Let's not jerk yourself off too hard here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my note is they're all females. Where do I remember that from? Gee, I wonder, Jules. I wonder where <laughs> they might have gotten that from. Let's see. Experimental modified organisms that are all female in a contained environment behind strong fence. I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> I'm drawing a blank. Uh, all I had for this moment was the stationary underwater camera staring at Sam Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> you expected the uh, the deliverance duo to just sort of pop out at that point. <laughs> Oh, no, this is... Everything is Baywatch, my friend. Everything is Baywatch. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I I do want to respond to that, though. Unfortunately, the only thing that this and Baywatch has in common is that there's water. (laughs) But in regards to the Deliverance duos, 
this water is deeper than like me level so i'm not sure if their stealth capabilities will function anymore it's, they, they, they excel at the shallows so and now we meet janice from the sopranos right yes fucking janice she has like no lines it's so heartbreaking yeah she's on for like two minutes of total screen time her character's name is brenda i didn't even copy that part i just have fucking janice in the comms tower <laughs> yeah but then there's the character called janice jan so i didn't want to get them too mixed up uh, so i and again because we're not done ripping off Jurassic Park just yet. It's the crew is leaving for the weekend. They operate a skeleton crew on the weekend and my note here is, hey, maybe when all your jobs are on the line you don't leave this weekend and maybe it may help make sure the test is a success. Maybe you don't go anywhere. And within, I swear, the same breath there's a storm coming. It's it's just... <laughs> it's like we're not even 11 minutes in. <laughs> How is there not a fat guy with a can of shaving cream? That's what I want to know. That's all this movie's missing. I mean, they even have the map of the incoming storm. I would not be surprised if it was the exact same thing from Jurassic Park. <laughs> just waiting for the line you know maybe it'll swing around like the last and, one and again if you keep diving deep there's a hurricane coming a storm coming and they're out on a fucking essentially an island off the coast of a central american nation because they're basically you know the closest landmass is the fucking baja peninsula of mexico but we're not done with the plagiarism yet you see this movie is thorough because there are also troubles with the fence that need checking. Thomas Jane speaks with the brilliant guy who's peeing off the side into the wind about how the sharks got out. And he tells him to raise the fence. Because the guy who's pissing into the wind is Stellan Skarsgård's character. He does not talk to him. He talks to Michael Rappaport. Oh, yeah. Is the yeah. engineer, uh, I guess. Yeah, like I think Thomas Jane thinks he, Michael Rappaport left the gate open or something. The point is, they're ripping off the fact that there's trouble with the fences. So. Yes, they are ripping off that fact. That's what I just wanted to lay right there with the case for the prosecution. <laughs> so Jan continues giving Samuel Jackson the... Grand Tour of Aquatica. Uh, that's the name of the facility. Well, she talks about it. We kind of see it as we we dive down deeper into the water. He's like, you know, first level's living quarters. Second level's the the, the wet lab. And on the third level, we got the, the wet entry and the dock. And uh, I did I did want to ask, uh, did you guys pick up on the line she says, I'm making Aquatica sound like some kind of mental hospital? What is she saying that is going to lead to that conclusion? Other than it's perfectly normal for people to piss on themselves i'm not sure <laughs> i mean they don't have any patience and by the way stellan skarsgård is not pissing into the wind that is obviously a cross breeze <laughs> <laughs> so in her room susan is looking at computer stuff and you know from her research practicing the upcoming procedure she's going to be doing on this fake shark model and what are these discs that she is using connecting to. I have never seen these before in real life. They're not three and a half floppies. They're not CD. Like they're they're, they're like chunky three and a half inch floppies. Like what the fuck are these? I, I forget what they're called, but those definitely existed. They were, I want to say a little bit narrower than a three and a half, but they were definitely thicker. Maybe that was just some data on there, but I have serious doubts that uh, this setup could display the images of what we're seeing. <laughs> This like the processing power or whatever is. Yeah, these are some fairly sophisticated 3D renders. 
so uh, you know she's talking to Stellan Skarsgård about what's going on. Uh, apparently, Thomas Jane has given the Gen Two some serum, so that'll make her ready to harvest the following day. Stellan Skarsgård thinks that they're two months ahead of schedule, but they don't really have a fucking choice, so they got to do it. So in the submarine pen, kind of the the wet dock on the bottom level, uh, Samuel Jackson is trying to you know buddy up to to Thomas Jane a bit. To, except he's not fucking having any of it. Pill basically tells Samuel Jackson to cut the shit. And he's like, look, you're the man. Man's always got a file. What the fuck does the file say? And Samuel Jackson's like, well, you did two years at Leavenworth. So clearly he got up to some bullshit in the military and got thrown in prison. And TJ, you know, Thomas Jane throws it right back at him, says, hey, you know, look, are you the first uh, rich guy to, you know, get rich becoming squeak, you know, by being squeaky clean? And Samuel Jackson just ignores that, does not respond to it at all. I mean, I had a couple of notes for this conversation. First, the idea of a shark wrangler just as a resume thing. I mean, they really went for trying to go for the coolest career choice in the entire world. Like, if you show that to any eight-year-old, I want to be a shark wrangler. <laughs> but also, I, I needed to make a note because he says to Samuel L. Jackson, you're the man. And uh, as we've established, Will Smith is the man from Independence Day. So that was completely incorrect. <laughs> so Samuel Jackson implies that he's got concerns about Thomas Jane based off of his history. You know, he's got a bit of a rough background. But Thomas Jane's like, look, man, I'm not here to make waves. I'm here to do my job, not fuck with my parole. I kind of liked that line, a guy who doesn't make waves, but they kind of repeat it and kind of ruin it. Because I thought that was a beautiful line, which was very, very difficult to find. I actually like this scene. I thought it was a good way to, like, get Thomas Jane's background out without it being a massive info dump. And it kind of flowed really well. I, I got it. I like this. scene. I thought it was a good scene. So cut to LL Cook J. Yeah, he's the chef. He's in this, like, big ass kitchen. And he's got my favorite bird ever in a fucking movie. <laughs> and you know what? It this bird was not a stunt bird. This bird was not trained. Really? Just they had someone's fucking bird on set. They didn't have the budget to get a fully trained parrot or a trainer. <laughs> this bird was just a parrot that they got involved in this movie, which I which I find incredible because there's some actually pretty amazing moments with this bird. Of all the things it did not have budget for. <laughs> but you know what it did have budget for? Frank Welker. <laughs> the voice of the parrot in this. Oh! You might know him most as Fred from Scooby-Doo for the entire time that show has ran. Almost every iteration of Scooby-Doo, he's still voicing Scooby-Doo characters that he originated the goddamn role on. He is one of the kings of voice acting. Amazing. If you have ever seen animation, Frank Welker has likely been involved. Futurama, Powerpuff Girls, Ninja Turtles, like uh, Transformers, fucking anything has had this guy in some capacity. Well, he's amazing here because he is squawking for this bird doing its voice and it is just insulting LL Cool J. Like, rock, fat butt. I just love that we can actually say the sentence, Chef LL Cool J and his foul-mouthed parrot are preparing dinner. I, I, I just think that's the <laughs> most beautiful sentence. I feel cheated <laughs> due to the fact that they do not get many adventures in Saturday morning cartoon form. I know! <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> where is that show? America <laughs> failed us. I mean, it kind of, I mean, you know, life made up for it with the Mr. T mysteries but, <laughs> or whatever that thing was called. God, that was glorious. So LL Cool J is baking a cake and, you know, the bird's insulting him. So to, to shut the bird up, puts his finger in the whipped cream and kind of puts it, you know, next to the bird, starts feeding the bird whipped cream. And I, I don't think you're supposed to feed 
parrots whipped cream. I, I think that's not a thing. Don't give them dairy. I'm yeah. I'm pretty sure that uh, birds and dairy. They, well, I mean, they don't go together naturally, so I would imagine it could cause problems. So Dell Cool J hears a rumbling through the facility, and he's like, feeding time. And what the, how the fuck would that indicate feeding time? Like, what in the fuck? Why else would you have a chef like this? Because as the shark's intelligence has increased, they are much more finicky and need presentation ah. in their meals as well. Genius. <laughs> John can make anything work. Because I'm struggling to understand. I understand having a kitchen in the facility. Why do they have a fucking chef? I mean, if Samuel Jackson's paying for it, why not? <laughs> because if we don't use all of the budget, we won't get as much of a budget next time. Got it. Mark. <laughs> they later established that this is a pressurized facility, and I know that baking changes due to altitude. So... I wonder what kind of you know uh, adjustments you'd have to make to recipes to make a cake 60, 100 feet underwater. Very true. I am willing to tangent this entire episode to learn the truth. So why does Thomas Jane during this feeding, there, there are these like cage tunnels underwater that he can swim through. Why does he need to be in them in his scuba gear to watch the sharks being fed? <laughs> because he's Aquaman. <laughs> <laughs> that's as good a reason this as is just where he's comfortable i don't know i have so many questions about this because there's also a passing comment on this about how they'll only eat other sharks which is why they have such a great taste for red wine <laughs> it all comes together i need a shark you know with a with a shark over but yeah i was gonna say shark over <laughs> I, I assumed it's because the money guy is here and he wants to look busy. That's why he goes out in the pitch. Uh, there you go. I don't know. He dove in with just a snorkel and his board shorts into a tiger shark <laughs> tank. I feel like he's demonstrated his value. And another thing I love in this sequence is one of our time-honored favorite traditions of the security monitor footage matching... <laughs> the actual movie footage <laughs> because while they establish that there are cameras positioned along this cage tunnel on the computer monitor there is the shot of looking straight down the tunnel at thomas jane and the camera moving backwards with him as he swims towards it that's fucking fantastic i did not pick up on that <laughs> So the way they feed the the, ge the the genetically modified sharks is by dropping in the tiger shark that Thomas Jane took the license plate out of. And you just see this thing get absolutely massacred by these two giant sharks. Like they use force perspective to make it look like they're kind of swimming together. But then the other two sharks get way the fuck bigger and just maul it. Yeah, they have a clever girl moment, apparently. Despite the horribly, horribly aged CG, I still enjoyed the shit out of it. Me too. So Brenda calls Susan up to the surface that evening, saying they've got a situation up there. And so Susan comes out, and there's there's nothing, no, you know, on the surface level, and there's it's dark, and it's, nothing's really happening, and it's kind of spooky, and we get this false scare because these flares go up, and she's like, oh, fuck, what's going down? And then the lights turn on, it's a surprise birthday party for her. It was nice. I liked it. I liked that they didn't make it a jump scare sort of thing. They have some tension, but just release it. Including just like a, a casual shark fin in like the distance <laughs> on top of the water <laughs> as she walks out of the facility. 
And so, yeah, it's a surprise birthday party. And uh, you know where's a great place to throw a party with lots of alcohol, guys? Right next to open shark pits? <laughs> yes, right next to open shark pits. <laughs> it's the best place to do it. It's really fucking smart. I still don't know why they have no railings around the shark pens. Or just covers on top yes <laughs> for anyone who hasn't seen this movie these are simple catwalks there is no really there is no protection whatsoever nothing it's fucking crazy when i was a kid they would put nets over the swimming pool so our dumbasses wouldn't fall in and drown when the parents weren't looking like there was <laughs> like this technology existed in the 90s the high technology of nets did indeed exist 30 years ago Nick is correct. They had gourmet chef budget. <laughs> yeah, but no safety net budget. Like, literal safety net budget. And, you know, LL Cool J is like, he has to be the bartender because... Because everyone else fucked off for the weekend. <laughs> well, no, but like everyone else is dancing. Like, nobody can pour their own drinks, apparently. Or maybe that's just what he likes to do at parties. I, I don't know. And so Samuel Jackson goes up to him, compliments him on the dinner. You know, that was a really good dinner tonight, brother. You know, kind of acknowledging that they're both black guys. <laughs> and Yellow Cool J is like, yo, what the fuck were you doing up there on that mountain? Like, black men have so many other ways to die. Like, leave that stupid shit to the white man, brother. <laughs> okay, to which I say, you live and work under the fucking <laughs> ocean. You have no room to talk. You have it's no room to talk. Hence my opening line for this shit. <laughs> but I, I also want to bring up the fact that why why does he assume only white people do mountain climbing? Is he just ignoring all of Tibet? It's <laughs> clear have an entire culture built around mountain climbing. Or like the Peruvian native that live in the fucking mountains down there. Like Exactly. I mean I I get it, you know, the whole uh, it was initially endearing to me because I often find billionaires who do all of this extreme shit to be quite obnoxious but at the same time why can't a black billionaire have a bit of fun with his money and his time there is absolutely nothing wrong with that exactly LL Cool J is trying to segregate skiing is what it comes down to <laughs> no, that's a t-shirt <laughs> make avalanches great again <laughs> It's called white powder for a reason. <laughs> I just realized how wrong that phrase was on so many levels. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, sorry. I'm going to hell. Okay, moving on. We're all going to hell. Don't worry about it. So, yeah, Thomas J takes Susan to the side, you know, and it turns out he's been trying to get her to have a beer with him for a while. There's a bit of bit of romantic undertones here jan is trying to explain to samuel jackson why you know they've been using sharks and she's like look you know sharks can't get cancer yes they fucking can no they can't i saw in a movie <laughs> <laughs> giant fucking myth <laughs> and also apparently they don't lose brain activity as they age and i could not find any fucking evidence for that either oh and just to put the cherry on it they assert that sharks are the oldest creatures on the planet and I did a little research. Now, cyanobacteria, jellyfish, sponges, velvet worms, nautiluses, a bazillion other creatures are older than sharks. The closest I could find was an elephant shark. And that's not actually a shark. It's a ratfish. <laughs> 
So she also tells them that they used hormones to increase the shark's brain capacity so they could harvest more of the anti-Alzheimer's thing that they've been working on. And Samuel Jackson's like, this is amazing, but what about genetic tampering? Haven't this kind of seems like you've been fucking with them on a genetic level. She's like, oh, no, 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 no. The Harvard Convention on Genetic Tampering, not a thing, uh, and Chimera Policy. They called their fucking company Chimera. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Just called Satan Incorporated while you're at it. I wanted to add that clearly they heard from Dr. Malcolm that genetic manipulation is the most powerful force known to man, and Harvard decided to get on that shit and uh, establish some laws. Am I the only one that, that thinks the 90s was paranoid about genetics oh they absolutely were i mean that's when cloning and, and this kind of stuff was very prevalent just in the media you know like we're growing an ear on the back of a mouse that sort of shit right right it's, it's just so blown out of proportion it, it was the new nuclear power it usurped as you have you know acknowledged <laughs> a few times it has usurped it as the dominant power on this planet <laughs> The most incredible force that the planet's ever seen, or whatever the hell the quote was. The naming of the company, that might have to become a bingo stamp, where it's just like very on the nose, and we think we're smart and sneaking it past you sort of thing, calling this Chimera. I'll allow it. Because <laughs> it pops up in a lot of places, that, that notion. <laughs> so, uh, meanwhile, while this is going on, uh, Thomas Jane is warning Susan that the sharks are now hunting in packs, and uh, how it's really really too early to bring the big one in you know when they start talking about the sharks attacking in packs what was that based on because from what i saw the three sharks just literally attacked at the same time demonstrating absolutely no pack tactics whatsoever there wasn't a clever girl moment here no no it's based on the fact that the shark's eyesight is based on movement <laughs> Because when you take inspiration, you just throw it all in a fucking blender. That's <laughs> it's just so him and Stellan Skarsgård have said, oh, well, this is too early. What would waiting for an extra two months actually fucking achieve? I wouldn't know because I am not a marine biologist and neither are you. Were you there? No. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Are you a shark expert? No, that's what I thought. Do your own research. At the, and, and by the way, at the same time, do your own research. It might get an extra two weeks off. <laughs> so Susan tells them that if they don't do it now, they're all out of a job. And it's kind of like, hey, given your sketchy background, uh, if we lose our jobs here, you're kind of fucked. Like, you're kind of unhirable. So maybe, you know, cut the crap. Not much demand for shark wranglers out there. Not for ones with criminal histories. You generally don't want to have your shark wrangler be a dangerous motherfucker. How can you be a shark? Shark Wrangler and not be a dangerous motherfucker. I mean, come on. Let's be honest here. Just a really cuddly Shark Wrangler. <laughs> he goes underwater, you know, like a flute and just <laughs> and just soothes them with his smooth jazz. <laughs> because sound travels faster in water than it does in air, and clearly a wind instrument would work under the same conditions. It's science. I mean, that science tracks about as well as any of the other science in this <laughs> fucking movie. So the storm is now rolling in, and 
Is this the point where they talk about the fact that they're taking a real pounding up here? About right now, yeah. Brenda's like, hey, we're taking a real pounding up here. And I'm just going to let that float out there for a while. Don't even need to comment on it. You, <laughs> listener, you know what we're talking about. If you know what Jules means. <laughs> so it is go time on this experiment now. Everyone's going down into the lab, except for Thomas Jane, who's going uh, swimming through the cage tunnels. Um, Susan also puts a key on a chair chain around her neck this is Chekhov's key on a neck chain so yeah while Thomas Jane is you know swimming through the tunnels he gets attacked on both sides by these sharks but then he pulls up his like underwater gun and they're like whoa back up here buddy yes the sharks fuck off and they swim backwards and the, the, the others who are in the lab watching all this on the monitor are like, what? Tell me I didn't just see that. They swam backwards. They can't swim backwards. And yeah, movie, you're absolutely <laughs> fucking right. It is physically impossible for a shark to swim backwards. While that's true, the initial shock of tell me I didn't just see that is that they recognized the gun for what it was. And that's what caused them to back off. They were like, oh, shit. They learned and recognized what a gun is. And by the way, how the fuck are they swimming backwards? Yeah, by the way, how are they defying the laws of physics? Also, if a shark did swim backwards, it dies. It drowns. Like If the water goes backwards through the gills, it can't breathe, and so it dies. Yeah, it's not like it's doing a long swim backwards they just needed to back up to get away from the cage because they have an almost infinite amount of possibilities of directions to move in just like they can't swim backwards because it's physically impossible for them and literally i think there's these there's some group of fishermen that kill sharks by grabbing them by the tail and pulling them backwards towards the shore to drown them i i just spent a lot of this time as the sharks started demonstrating human qualities trying to think about exactly what this movie thinks these sharks can do they can communicate sharks don't communicate they're not they're not like dolphins or whales that actually have a communication method they can't communicate our sharks are different it, it, <laughs> but i mean it, and then it just led to the philosophical question do genetically modified sharks dream of dolly the sheep i mean i i just i got lost <laughs> nice oh my god that was beautiful <laughs> I had all these retorts and they don't fucking matter now. <laughs> that was beautiful. Well fucking played. <laughs> so while this is going on, one of the sharks starts biting the underwater cameras and then also a bunch of the underwater lights turn off. And how the fuck do they know what cameras are? I don't give a fuck how smart you're sure. It's impossible. It's impossible. They don't know what the fuck, sh- fuck those are. And how do they turn the lights off? It's, <laughs> they, they would not know this. Just, there is no way a shark would know what a camera is. I'm sorry. It's a block. So <laughs> Thomas Jane gets to the end of the, the cage tunnel. He unlocks it with a code because apparently you need a fucking code at this point. Like if you have this much access, like just, just let it open. Just push a button. It's opens or like whatever. But he's got to type in a code into this. This panel and he goes out into the gen 2 pen holy fuck the brass balls on this guy and he tricks the shark into following him like we think he's about to get chomped but what he does is at the last moment he takes off his his scuba vest with the tank and has it bubble and so the shark attacks that foreshadowing by the way and he shoots it in the head with a dart gun 
at which point these sharks who've learned pack tactics, um, the the other two attack him and eat him, right? Uh, no, I thought that too initially. I, I believe this one is in a separate pen. <laughs> uh, yes, canonically. So this is the Gen 2 shark, the two Gen 1 sharks that got fed earlier. Because I was wondering where the fuck the third one was there. And then I watched a bit more like, oh, they kept them in separate pens. So okay. they're just going after the biggest one sense. for this one. But my question is, how in the absolute motherfuck <laughs> does this one squishy human get this 45, 8,000 pound shark that has just now been tranquilized from its position where it is now onto the goddamn platform that they lift it up to into the lab. How the fuck? Wait, listen, water. Because Aquaman is superhuman. (laughs) (laughs) How is this an issue? Only Aquaman and and David Hasselhoff. It's it's just (laughs) the rule of the rule of water. Well, I mean, Hasselhoff is a bit of a uh, gestalt because he also has the spidey sense powers true, as well. True, 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 true. You know. <laughs> so, whatever. The, the the shark gets magicked onto this fucking platform and it gets raised up into the lab. And from his computer console, Michael Rappaport looks down and he's like, did someone order the fish? Michael Rappaport is typically delightful and very funny. Uh, uh, No, not here. He was not allowed to write his own lines, (laughs) which is a shame. And so it's, it's good that they thought of this. But so as they raise the shark up into this kind of like pool thing in the middle of the lab, they start funneling water through jets to make sure there's fresh water going through the shark's gills. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. I was like, they've got a shark on basically a gurney. How the fuck is this going to keep breathing? Oh, it's one of those, you know, like a lap pool. It's a swimming pool that forces the jets at you. Perfect. That's brilliant. Well done, movie. Um, And then Thomas Jade straps it down. With like ratchet tie downs. (laughs) (laughs) It's the same thing that you would keep a small couch from blowing out of the back of a truck. (laughs) It's it's exactly that. And now this movie is going to science like a motherfucker. (laughs) It's also going to sci-fi a little bit because the device that she uses to like line up and get ready to stick a needle in the shark's head. This is obviously the prototype for the device that you use to remove robo shrimp from Keanu Reeves's stomach. (laughs) (laughs) It's got a padded tripod. It's got a little laser sight. What amazed me was that from his, his, his workstation kind of that's elevated from the other workstations down on the same level as the shark is he's transferring certain functionality to this station and he's transferring certain functionality to that station. And I'm thinking, why the fuck aren't these stations purpose built for their like individual things? Why do you have to transfer anything? That's fucking ridiculous. I mean, we were gonna get this all set up ahead of time, but you know, we had to get drunk in front of the goddamn open shark pools. <laughs> <laughs> There's no time. <laughs> Stellan Skarsgård just cannot fucking wait to have a cigarette. He tries to do it while they're getting the shark prepped, and the other lady like gives him a, a no look. And I thought it was because Sam Jackson is there and it's like, we got to keep this shit clean for the boss. But apparently it was just for the sake of the needle, because once it's done, he goes ahead and lights up and tries to, like, pet the shark for some goddamn reason. Uh, There's a false scare where the shark, like, rises up and apparently had a fucking, like, nightmare or whatever. And I love how (laughs) the heart rate monitor goes up to a whopping 
53 beats per minute <laughs> in the middle of that. <laughs> yeah, so as you were mentioning, she takes this like laser device and pokes this giant needle in the shark's head, kind of like as she was practicing on the, the model shark earlier. And she pulls about about 4.5 cc's of apple juice out of the shark's head. <laughs> why the fuck do we call them cc's when it's the same thing as a fucking milliliter? Like why? It's it's literally the same measurement. One sounds like you're baking a cake. The other sounds like you're doing science. I'm baking science. <laughs> she takes the apple juice and instead of just like lightly squirting some of it from the syringe onto the Alzheimer's brain tissue, she puts it in this overly complicated contraption that involves like turning knobs to lightly drop dribbles of the apple juice onto the brain tissue. The brain tissue that, by the way, is totally still alive and active despite the fact that it's sitting on a goddamn slide. Yeah, it's sitting in a fucking Petri dish. It's like, yeah, it's sitting in a fucking Petri dish. <laughs> Yeah, she says it's cultured thing, so it sounds like they grew it purposefully in a lab, so this is like lab-grown Alzheimer's brain, maybe? <laughs> lab-grown Alzheimer's is totally a band name. <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, lab-grown Alzheimer's brain. <laughs> I think brain complicates the, the title, just lab-grown Alzheimer's is... Or just another way of saying you have a really bad hangover. I've got some serious lab-grown Alzheimer's brain right now. <laughs> I have enough trouble saying lab-grown Alzheimer's while sober. There's no way I could do it with a fucking hangover. It's a good way to gauge how hungover you actually are. It's, it's, it, we're going to call that the millennial rewind hangover test. That's more of the blackout drunk test. Dude, what happened last night? I got me some serious lab-grown Alzheimer's <laughs> So anyways, the shark apple juice works. The brain neurons start firing. And do you know how I know that Susan is British? Because she severely underreacts to this <laughs> happening. Given her background and her personal like investment in this working, everyone else like losing their fucking mind. Samuel Jackson, who probably hasn't met anyone with Alzheimer's, is like, "All right, it's firing, it's firing." And then she's just like, "Cool, that happened." Yeah, her character has two emotional levels: brutally serious and slight smile. <laughs> I'm just amazed how this tissue that's been, you know sitting out for however long and not getting any sort of nutrition or oxygenation is suddenly able to grow and replicate because shark enzyme. Go fuck yourself, biology. <laughs> biology took a real pounding. Biology took a real pounding when they mistook wine for blood. <laughs> oh, no, no. Guys, all the fucking sciences got a fucking <laughs> jolly good rogering in this movie I, 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 there's more to come i have got some fucking beef with this movie scientifically <laughs> then stellan skarsgård gets what he deserves for smoking near a giant fucking shark's head like holy fuck i don't think smoking had anything to do with that i think he had what was coming to him when you lean down and get right next to a goddamn shark's yeah. mouth uh, this may sound inappropriate but i do think we have to applaud how he loses his arm because his bone decides to completely detach and leave his body as soon as the shark bites on top of it are you saying that your bones are not sentient and wouldn't nope the fuck out of a crazy situation <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can't play soccer without my fingers flying out of their sockets. <laughs> yeah, that's why we don't allow you to use your hands. I'm a goalkeeper. That's why you have big, thick, protective gloves. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, they'd just be flying in all directions. <laughs> <laughs> 
this whole <laughs> next sequence is just all in slow motion, but like that old school style of slow motion that I am very glad has fallen out of style. Potter parent death slow mo. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, um, after Stellan Skarsgård gets his arm bitten off, Thomas Jane goes for the shotgun cabinet that they keep in their goddamn <laughs> wet lab. And it looks exact. It looks like an absolute fucking knockoff of the the uh, the Jurassic Park shotgun. By the fucking way, I am picturing though during the meeting with Samuel L. Jackson, he's going down the checklist of what they need for the lab. Is it okay? They need um, petri dishes. They need a water jet. Wow, that's that's exotic, but okay. Um, emergency shotgun. <laughs> I have already established he has no idea what this facility is, how it's constructed or operates, even though he sank his personal fortune into it. (laughs) Of course, he would not know about the shotguns. He was impressed when he had his character establishing conversation with Thomas Jane. He was impressed by the equipment they had. What does Thomas Jane think this is going to accomplish? Shark is ratchet strapped down, so they know they need more tranquilizers, more sedatives to do this in the future. But this is their one shark that has this property. This is it. You kill that fucking shark. This whole place is like years behind on what they're doing. Yeah, but I feel like he doesn't care. He's not emotionally invested in it like the doc is, like Susan is. Aquaman was also underwater and was able to know that they know what guns are. So if he comes up with a shotgun, he can threaten it into spitting the arm back out. (laughs) Boom. There it is. (laughs) Tries to shoot the shark in the head with a shotgun, but Susan hits the emergency yeet the shark (laughs) out of the lab button. So the shark goes down and he's not able to shoot the shark. And he's like, what the fuck are you doing? He's so disappointed by not getting to murder a shark. I know. (laughs) ridiculously upset like it's gonna go chomp another scientist's arm well given what happens later yeah she's gonna live for a bit to regret this um and now shit gets wild because thomas jade is you know telling brenda to call a medevac and this fucking helicopter flies way too close to the ocean where there are giant waves flapping about it is ridiculous as Nick mentioned the altitude. My note was, well, at least the helicopter survived to go battle Godzilla. (laughs) I would also like to mention one thing, though, because unlike Jurassic Park, the doctor does admit she's not that kind of doctor. That is a little piece of credit that I will give them right here, that she they do not automatically assume that she can perform surgery on this guy, which Jurassic Park just was like, you know, we can science everything. Yeah, but the movie then kind of negates that by pretending that it can science here because he like first of all like he's got his fucking arm off and she says oh fuck he's hemorrhaging and it's like yeah he's got his arm bitten off no shit he's hemorrhaging also why are you only now putting a tourniquet on he's dead already he bled out while they're going up in the elevator Jesus Christ so they get to the top and the door opens it's stormy as fuck. They got to push Stellan Skarsgård on this gurney out to where the helicopter is. They drop a hook. They hook it to the the gurney. And is it standard practice to put a, you know, underwater respirator on a patient as he's being medevaced at sea? Like, I want to make fun of this, but also at the same time, I feel like this is plausible. They spent the budget on booze and shotguns and a chef. (laughs) 
<laughs> and not proper, you know, medical <laughs> supply. I, I love that idea. That's how America survived COVID, right? It was booze, shotguns. <laughs> well, don't forget toilet paper. Yeah. <laughs> there is one thing that I did want to point out because once you sort of, once I found this out, I, I could not unsee it. But uh, this this movie was directed by a guy called Rennie Harlan, who also did Cliffhanger. So he, he's done a lot of ripoffs of great movies by just trying to put them in different locations. But he also does a certain thing, which you'll notice in this helicopter scene, where the guy reaches out his hand and then plummets to his death. That happens more than once in this movie. He loves the whole reaching out of the hand thing. I don't know if he's got an obsession with the Sistine Chapel or something. but I, I definitely <laughs> had the cliffhanger reference later. When when the the moment you're referring to comes up, yeah. But this is the beginning of it. You'll you'll, you'll notice the reachy hands in this movie. I also love that when Thomas Jane is reaching for the cable so that he can click it on to Skarsgård's, I don't know, gurney or whatever they have him on. It's not a gurney. Whatever. When Thomas Jane is reaching for it and it's clearly not low enough, the dude from the helicopter is shouting for him to grab it from a running helicopter in a storm. How does he think he's communicating with Thomas Jane? That's my question. Who the fuck knows? <laughs> the same way the sharks are communicating with each other. <laughs> You're forcing my hand here. They've grown the brains. And so what we know is that it's brain size and not development that you know really makes you smarter. It's just that it's so big now. Obviously, they have telepathy. Obviously, that's how they do. <laughs> so after s- clipping Stellan Skarsgård to the, the helicopter, they run inside and they get knocked over by a wave. And as they get up, we this is the first time we're going to see Thomas Jade like slipping in his shoes. And I don't know how the fuck this works, why you would not have grippy shoes as a guy who works near water. But this is a thing. Another reason for rails. Another reason for rails. Exactly. <laughs> Another reason for rails. And yeah, like the little booties that you would wear with a wetsuit for diving and stuff, they have a hell of a lot of good tread on it. <laughs> they do. So I don't know what the fuck he's wearing. So yeah, as you know, we kind of got a little ahead here, but the, the winch in the helicopter that's pulling Stellan Skarsgård up, it shorts out and he goes plummeting into the water. The, the helicopter doesn't immediately pull up to try and just get him out of the water. One of the sharks under the underneath the surface grabs Stellan Skarsgård, obviously, and makes the helicopter crash into the tower, killing the guys in the helicopter and killing Brenda. It would have gone on to fight Godzilla, I guess, but that's what you get for flying low. I was going to say, my note was that the pilot went to the same flight school as the pilots from Godzilla (laughs) because he doesn't increase altitude. (laughs) They're incapable. (laughs) They have a vertical limit of just a few hundred feet. Possibly a thousand. <laughs> so this causes a massive shockwave, massive explosions. Like there's gas tanks on the outside that explode. The seaplane explodes. Like all the shit explodes. <laughs> it sends a shockwave through the entire facility. They've all gone back down into the lab level and just everything's falling over. Jan falls into the pool in the center of the lab that I guess they didn't raise the thing again. So (laughs) there wouldn't be a giant hole where a mutant shark could potentially come up, but fuck it. They get her out. She doesn't get hurt. And then also everything in the kitchen falls over. You know, LL Cool J takes it as a sign and he starts drinking from a wine bottle. That's, that's the sign he takes. Like, look, this is a good time to start drinking again. (laughs) Hell of a day to quit amphetamines. (laughs) 
Uh, I say that far too often. <laughs> That's why Stellan Skarsgård wanted two more months. He wasn't ready to give up his smoking in the lab yet. <laughs> it looked like a smaller bottle. I was going with maybe cooking sherry. Yeah, cooking sherry or a dessert wine, you know. So in the lab, they can't get the system back online. And I'm, I'm sorry. I've got to. We, we got to stay on this for a little bit longer because. He's already talked about how only white people are stupid enough to put themselves in this sort of situation. (laughs) And so when the whole place starts shaking, it is obviously a bunch of danger. It's a sign from God to get drunk because that will only improve your chances of escaping a massive underwater facility. It will. And let's let's not pretend religion makes sense here. Like, let's (laughs) let's not go there here. I mean, LA little cool J just decides to start talking to God now in the midst of yeah this is like a central tenant of his character and it's only really being introduced now we might have like seen his big ass crucifix earlier but it's only now that we really get that it's like no 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 no. he's religious so everyone goes back down into the lab and michael rapaport can't get the system back online and thomas jane can't get brenda on the radio and then all of a sudden samuel jackson sees something in this giant window in the lab there's this big fuck off window in front of them and i have a big fuck off there's no way you're seeing anything out there no (laughs) not not at the distance that it's at at least no definitely not like one it's pitch black out two the the seas are rough because of the storm so visibility is even less than it would normally be i don't think it is less than it would normally be because it's in the it's at night there is no light down there. Why, why do they even have it, that giant viewport? <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it's, it's, it wouldn't look out of place on a Star Destroyer, but in a lab <laughs> underwater. If this actually was an aquarium where people want to see the sharks through the viewport, that would make more sense to me. But I don't know, it just didn't seem like they need to in a lab. They have all the cameras. It's nice to have a window. <laughs> natural light underwater yeah you still get a semblance of the day night cycle i mean <laughs> samuel jackson you know says somebody please tell me what that is and it turns out it's Stellan scars card in his fucking stretcher being held in the mouth of the the fucking jet two shark who is going yes! out the fucking window full speed lets it go and he smashes into the fucking window and somehow does not die from this as dumb as this was i absolutely love it this is so amazing i feel like they planned this it's like okay so we got to injure one of the scientists so that it gets airlifted out of here so we can drag it underwater to throw it at the window to cause them to start fleeing into the tunnel so that we can direct them where we want them to go this is batman v superman level of fucking insane villain plans right here And it's amazing because a shark throws someone at a window to break it. And this, by the way, this entire plan is completely dependent on the Mexican Coast Guard having a faulty winch. (laughs) (laughs) And by the way, have you ever tried to throw anything underwater, even if it is very hydrodynamic, like maybe a dart or something? They don't fucking travel. You need a system of propulsion and especially because it's face first it's thrown (laughs) flat yes yes and even though it's not like a direct this person was in it it is still very baywatch because (laughs) stellan skarsgård with no eye protection can see perfectly his fate coming in salt water (laughs) 
Yes, he's like pressed against the window. I, I think it's because the corner hit of the, the stretcher hit first. That's what causes the 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 window to crack and start spider spider webbing. Jed, who like is was clearly dating him, is just like distraught, and everyone's kind of backing up, like, "Oh fuck!" Not fast enough, by the way. <laughs> they are never fast enough, even when the large piece of ice somehow like materializes from the window and lands on the floor. This is a twelve-inch fucking like shard of ice. It is huge. <laughs> you could play fucking soccer with this thing. <laughs> Which which goes to show like how fucking thick the window is and how the fuck does throwing Stellan Skarsgård against it do this? There was another bit of trivia that is at some point in this movie, and I'm not sure exactly where because they didn't specify in the trivia, but they apparently dropped three tons of water on the entire cast without any safety harnesses. And I kind of feel like this is that moment. Probably. Because they, they actually found, they, when they actually saw the movie, they said, holy shit, you actually used that shot where you dropped three tons of water on us without any safety. <laughs> I mean, fuck, if you've got it in the can, why not use it? I'm trying to think of where else. I guess maybe in one of the hallway shots. Possibly, but it has to be the entire cast. So, Oh, it really is the entire? Okay, yeah, it would probably be. Yeah, Samuel Jackson goes up to Jan, who's like distraught over her lover being in this crazy ass situation and he's like you can't help him we gotta go and that's where the window shatters and this place gets fucking flooded they all run up the stairs towards the upper exit but thomas jade again because he's wearing fucking vaseline slippers (laughs) slides into the back of the lab and like the water comes in he has to like swim up and then eventually get to the stairs it's crazy Oh, by the way, speaking of uh, water stunts and whatever, do you know where they filmed most of this uh, this movie? The same set that they filmed Titanic. Oh. Yeah, they had to build a big fuck off water set, and they did it down in Mexico. That's where they filmed most of Titanic. Whoa, are you telling me that they did not put DiCaprio, Winslet, Billy Zane, and others? in arctic water as surprising as that sounds i don't understand how actors could pretend to be cold (laughs) (laughs) their skin changed color there's no way you can do that no there's no such thing as makeup (laughs) well anyways yeah they filmed deep blue sea on the same water set in mexico as uh where they filmed titanic so there's that um yeah so they get to the door and they barely close it behind them like the it's like a big door that you can seal shut jan does nothing she just stands there doesn't help out. Like, your life is in danger. You're just like, like, damsel in distress. I would say we found our Ron Weasley. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So LL Cool J, uh, on his level, he's on level one. He's uh, trying to call the tower with his telephone set where you have to, like, wind it up and charge it like it's still the fucking 40s. None of this underwater shit is part of a World War II sub pen. Like, fuck off. Like, it's already bullshit that, like, anything here is a World War II sub pen, but this is extra bullshit. Like, Like, yeah, I absolutely love that this facility has, you know, high-tech computers. They even have separate disk drives to plug into their computers. <laughs> you know, they got a gurney. They got a jet system to keep the sharks alive, but we can't power the phones. You got to crank that shit yourself. Doesn't <laughs> <I laughs> even put the phone back on the receiver, by the way. Like, who raised you? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's justified at this point. I mean... <laughs> There's a whole bingo card thing about people can't hang up phones politely in movies. Like, no one ever says goodbye. <laughs> they just finish the conversation and put it down. 
I think it's justified here. So the gang gets to a stairwell, uh, but there's water streaming through the bulkheads, so that's a no-go. This is where Michael Rappaport tells everyone that there's only one stairwell on this level, which seems like a massive fucking design flaw. (laughs) There's one stairwell and an elevator that seals. I mean, come on, this isn't Hammond we're talking about here. They could afford a safety inspection. Yeah, they could have afforded a safety... Like, like if the saw guy designed it an underwater lab, this is how he'd fucking do it. Like, <laughs> holy shit. Yeah, the elevator shaft seals so that it prevents flooding from going up. I don't know, but they're kind of... By the way, this point about the elevator shaft doesn't fucking matter, as we'll see later. <laughs> L Cool J's walking around with his wide bottle and his bird, and the, the facility shakes. He's like, well, that's a sign of God. Time for me to stop drinking. The first one was me to start. <laughs> right? What the I did fuck? the right amount of drinking for God. <laughs> yeah, I thought this was the point in which maybe this is a lesson that black guys should leave chef work on converted submarine pens to the white folks. <laughs> <laughs> Let them have crises of faith at 150 feet below the waves. (laughs) I would have to say that by and large, they do. This is a very specific specific circumstance. So back with the gang, they see they look at a map and they see that they can actually go down to the wet entry where uh, Samuel Jackson and Thomas Jane were talking earlier and take the submarine that's there up to the surface. So they'll ferry everyone up and that's how they're going to get back up. How great is it that these people who live and work there have to consult the map? They have to like consult the hotel fire evacuation plan. <laughs> I mean, that's very true to life. No one ever pays attention to the fire escape plans in any sort of a building. Always read the fire escape plan and the hotel people. It's for your safety. Yeah, but I'm talking about a place that you are in consistently on a daily basis. <laughs> so El Cool J tries to go up like the flight of stairs on back up to the surface level, but gets washed away by some some water. So that that's a no-go for him. Excellent stunt. I think at some point they switch over LL Cool J stuntman to a white guy, but we'll get into that later. <laughs> That's true. My I th- he really looks white later in the movie, but in this one, he looks like he looks like they got a black guy to do because it. you leave that shit to the white folks. <laughs> <laughs> it is internally consistent for LL Cool J stunt double to not be of African descent. <laughs> it's internally consistent with the logic of this movie. Fair enough. <laughs> the gang doubles back to where the the lab door is i think it's where the lab door is anyways but they, they gotta go past a door they have to run past it because there's streams of water and like rivets being shot across the hall because of the water pressure and they all run past and nobody gets hit they get a little moist and of course more thomas jane slipping with his fucking greased up deaf guy shoes i don't understand how he's the only one that's slipping so much what is the tread on these shoes like what are these shoes he's wearing fucking boots for fuck's sakes like <laughs> So they get to another hatch and they have another close call with water coming in before they close the door. There's a lot of this in the movie. Up on the surface, we see one of the sharks swimming into a hole that's been blown up into the side of the facility, kind of by the surface. So sharks are getting inside. More bird insulting LL Cool Jack. Hey, dickhead. Fat butt. So great. I, I really want to get a voice acting job where I'm just swearing as a parrot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Clearly, there is a prerequisite of decades of experience in the industry for that. Yeah, I have not been on enough Scooby-Doo to get that job. 
Oh, and speaking of that, my notes here, I'm like, the Scooby gang are in some room, but Samuel L. Jackson wants answers, so that's a great timing. And, yeah, so, because the, the door got bust open that they walked past that was shooting the rivets, and Samuel L. Jackson, what the fuck is going on here? So he asked Thomas Jane if that was a shark that busted down that solid steel door, and he's like, yeah, given the size of the Gen 2 and the amount of pressure it could put on a steel door, yeah, I could see it busting it open like what the fuck also shark skeletons are made of cartilage so i feel like they would just break their fucking noses really <laughs> easily i don't care how big your shark is they would just like crunch their noses against a steel door do you really they increase the size of the brain <laughs> i mean of course brain development you know increases your durability but on the other <laughs> exactly but on the other hand do you really think that these scientists stopped there? They have clearly had no requirement of transparency for how they are misusing Samuel L. Jackson's funds. <laughs> <laughs> Alzheimer's cure is definitely not the only thing going on at this facility. <laughs> Mecha sharks. Mecha sharks. <laughs> Told you we're gonna make a lot of some of those jokes. It's a triple shark movie. How can we not? <laughs> yeah, there's like there's definitely mommy shark, daddy shark. We got enough for a song here. And baby shark gin too. Ooh, that's one way to see this story. This is a single mother's fight to save her children from being penned up. This is like a beautiful free willy story that went wrong. <laughs> they have deep blue sea from the shark's perspective. It's a tragic story about them <laughs> escaping their tormentors. And ultimately they all die. Wow. <laughs> Except not a single mother because there's there's two gen ones and they're female. So that is clearly... You know, they're in a relationship. <laughs> this thruple trying to escape persecution. <laughs> I will write that movie with you guys. I will. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So Samuel Jackson asked Susan, you know, what the hell did they do to those sharks? And she has to admit that no shit, they violated the Harvard Compact. It's a real thing, we swear. And they genetically <laughs> manipulated the sharks to make their brains bigger to harvest more protein complex. And I feel like they just could have gotten a lot more regular sized sharks and just you know, got a little bit out of each of them until they got enough and not had mutant fucking monsters. But then we'd have way too many rich 20-somethings sailing the open seas with impunity, and we can't have that. <laughs> Agreed. I also like the fact that, you know, she's the only one who takes the blame when clearly the implication is that Skarsgård was involved. Oh, absolutely. There is not a chance that man was not involved with this. I mean, if you're peeing like that into the wind, you're definitely up to some fucking genetic shenanigans. <laughs> she was definitely not the only one in this. There was definitely a conspiracy of silence going on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and how the fuck does Jan not know? He's like, ah, you stupid bitch. And it's like, bitch, you were there while all this was going on. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Yes, I mean, I could understand if L.O. Cool J didn't know. <laughs> and Thomas Jane could have some plausible deniability there. But when you're in the lab with them, <laughs> no, nah, not buying it, Jan. Not buying it. We can now move on to the worst protagonist rant in movie history. Yeah, because Thomas Jane is super pissed because, you know, she's still just like at this point, still trying to justify her actions by being like, well, think of all the people we'll save. And she's right. Yeah, she's fucking right. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're talking not just Alzheimer's, we're talking about all degenerative brain diseases that this fictional pill will cure. But the, the number of lives... And apparently, eventually, cancer itself. <laughs> like, 
just because sharks don't get it in any form at all. I mean, yeah, this is the ultimate cure-all. And yes, it is worth four or five lives. Totally. I'm just going to say it right now. Samuel Jackson is now like, all right, these sharks are thinking. And what does an 8,000-pound Baco shark think about? And Thomas Jane's like, I'm not going to wait around to find out. This fucking stupid question. <laughs> I got answers. <laughs> You've got answers to the 8,000. Flower petal mosaics. <laughs> the duality of man. How many licks it takes to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop? These are the important <laughs> questions that highly intelligent Mako sharks would consider. Oh, man. So Michael Rappaport is like, hey, you see that? She screwed with the sharks, and now the sharks are screwing with us. And uh, my note here is, thanks, Michael Rappaport, but we have been watching the movie. We, 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 get, we get this. And I just have the circle of life. <laughs> All right, so while we think about what 8,000-pound uh, mango sharks think about, uh, we're going to take a quick break, and we come back, we're going to break down the even more ridiculous second half of Deep Blue Sea. Hello there, and welcome to another episode of Millennial Rewind Science. My name is Dr. Gunther von Leberkesser. Fat butt. And this is my assistant, Bird. You have a big fat butt. Burr. Anyway, today we are going to talk about the oldest creatures on Earth, the shark. Single cell organisms predate sharks by millions of years. Burr. And their brains, they never degenerate, meaning they keep their mental abilities well into the old age. Burr. There's more evidence for 9-11 being an inside job. Will you be quiet? And perhaps the most amazing fact about sharks is that they never get cancer. Brock, bullshit. You got your PhD from a box of Cracker Jack. It was the University of Kluger Jacques, and my degree is very, very real. Thank you very much. Doesn't mean shit if you think the shark science in Deep Blue Sea is real. Brock. You know what? I don't have to take this. It is my show, and I am leaving. Off it is in. Brock, the show is mine. The show is mine. Today we're going to make the perfect omelet using two eggs, not three. Brock. You must absolutely utilize the milk. Amateurs add milk for density. This is a mistake. Brock. I make no apologies. <laughs> and we're back, and LL Cool J is still walking around in a flooded hallway. Um, and a playboy floats by, and that increases his will to live, and uh, that tracks. <laughs> uh, one of the, sh the sharks that slipped into the facility uh, peers down the hall behind him. Don't these things swim like 50, 60 feet per second? And wouldn't that mean that LL Cool J gets munched in like literal seconds? Yes. Yes. They literally make a point of how fast sharks are. This is the point where LL Cool J has a tragic death. Yep. El Cool J just dies here. I, I didn't remember that. <laughs> yeah, it's very strange. Um, especially considering that somehow these sharks fit in the hallways. <laughs> yes, the fucking size of these sharks is supremely inconsistent. Sometimes they're massive, and sometimes they're small enough to like go through these hallways. Like, what the fuck movie? I also love that they are small enough to do the, the stealthy fin reveal. <laughs> In mid-thigh deep water. <laughs> I think the dorsal fin is retractable. <laughs> as good an explanation as any. LL Cool J ducks into, I guess, his kitchen and... He grabs a frying pan. 
I'm sorry. Have you seen Tangled? <laughs> Frying pan is absolutely the ultimate in weapons technology. The ultimate weapon, yeah. But I, I just, you know, because we're stealing from all of Steven Spielberg's movies, we just throw Raiders of the Lost Ark in there, you know? Just hiding behind the door with a frying pan. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Marianne Market scene, she frying pan. Oh, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> you you don't see it until after the guy gets conked and she runs out. Yeah. Also, in his kitchen, like he, there's this glass wall that he sees the shark swimming down another hallway. And like, what the fuck is this <laughs> glass wall? Well, the shark goes away for some reason because clearly he's an idiot. Um, who didn't notice the massive amount of churning water, the guy moving into the room. And... Yeah, but that was around a corner. Like, apparently, <laughs> L. Cool J had enough time to get behind the door before the shark got to the that corner that he could definitely swim around, given his <laughs> fucking size. But sharks can taste in the water from, like, so far away. That shark is tasting LL Cool J. If that shark knows he's there. Ah, but LL Cool J's wine bottle finally broke, and the shark was like, "Blood! <laughs> oh yes, yeah." The wine bottle did not cr- like split apart when he threw it on the ground. I haven't had a drink in twenty days. <laughs> so the gang walks down a hallway and the, towards the wet dock entrance thing, and Samuel L. Jackson's like, "Hey, so why don't the sharks just swim through the, the underwater fences?" And Michael Rappaport has to remind us that they're made of titanium. Uh, Jan at the beginning of the movie explained that they were made of titanium, so the movie knows it knows you're not paying attention. It knows you're not paying attention. You're not paying attention to the the fucking engineering of the facility. You're paying attention to the sharks. Yeah, we came here to watch a shark movie. I mean, the poster has a giant shark about to chomp on a woman. You're not sitting there to listen to the science. You're just going, nerd, fuck off. We want some sharks. So they get to the wet dock, but the the submersible has been trashed. uh, So they're not going to be able to do that. But also, I feel like these giant fucking sharks would absolutely fuck up the submarine. Were they to actually like get in the water and start trying to drive it to the surface? Like that Gen 2 shark would have been like, sweet bonk. I'm, I mean, there's no good options at this point. Let's be honest. No, definitely so. not. So back in the kitchen, LL Cool J uh, climbs a shelf to get out of the water. And he's grabbed a fire axe at this point. Like he's swept out his pan for a fire axe. But his bird is on top there. So we get a bird scare, a bird jump scare. Why doesn't the shark at this point eat him? As opposed to the bird. He's literally like millimeters off the water. It likes wings? <laughs> I have no idea. Because also the bird like gets into a pot that's floating on the water. And Samuel LL Cool J is trying to like get the bird to come over to him. And that's when the shark jumps out of the water while the bird is in the pot. The shark absolutely pulls a deliverance dude. Because again, <laughs> the fin, the fin is not visible. There is nothing there at all. And then the shark comes up like this thing is 50, 60 feet deep and it's swimming straight up towards the surface is the way this thing takes out the goddamn bird. (laughs) It's beautiful. Just another reaching hand, just to add that to your list of reaching hands. Oh, yeah. Yeah, to to get the bird. God reaching out to David, yeah, or something. (laughs) Constantly. (laughs) So you said that this was a real bird, right? This, This was an untrained bird. Did they kill this bird? I don't think so. <laughs> Jesus. Because <laughs> this bird, like you see a flapping thing get chomped by this fucking shark. I thought that was good CGI. Was it CGI? It looked really real. I was like, no, I think it was just a really good effect. Yeah. Okay, it looked real to me, but 
LL Cool J falls back on this shelf and we see him crash on the shelf underwater. And this is the first time I'm like, did they get a white guy to do LL Cool J stunts here? <laughs> it, it really looked like they got a bald white guy. But anyways, LL Cool J swims across the kitchen and hides in an oven and the shark starts attacking the oven door. Back in the wet dock, Michael Rappaport tells Samuel Jackson that an explosion couldn't have knocked the sub down. So what do you think knocked the sub down, Michael Rappaport? Do you think a shark just jumped out and fucking like knocked it off? Like, what the fuck? What other possible explanation could there be? In this facility that's sinking <laughs> and falling apart and like shaking on a regular basis. Like, holy fuck. Uh, so Jan is, she's kind of like hysterical at this point. She's kind of given up and she's like, well, we might as well just all dive in and try and swim up. How about you, Susan? You go first. Fuck you. <laughs> and Samuel Jackson tells them that they, they should at least put the, the wetsuits on to prevent hypothermia because Michael Rapport's like, no fucking way, man. You go, you swim there. Cut to LL Cool J fighting for his life in an oven. Because the shark turns the <laughs> oven on. That's the thing. It's ambiguous whether or not that was intentional. <laughs> you think it was intentional? It could have been that the shark bumped into it, but the fact that they know about disabling cameras leads me to believe that it understands that this is a gas stove and that it can poison LL Cool J to try and get him to jump out of the door so it can eat him. I love the idea that these sharks are actually gourmet chefs themselves and they're trying to cook up a perfect human with the right wine, the right... <laughs> yes, he's already partially marinated himself on the inside, at least. Because we know they go for wine and he's been drinking. Oh my God, this is... cook <laughs> oh, 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 oh. I don't give a fuck that you found that cringy. I feel like if I had more culinary experience, I'd be disappointed you in you. Be. Instead, I'm just befuddled. I'm just befuddled. I, instead. I still wouldn't give a fuck. You would be disappointed in me, and I still don't care. Um, I know you wouldn't. Yeah. So the the, the shark turns on the gas, and also the the glass uh, on the outside of the oven door is starting to crack, and so LL Cool J starts, you know, hit it because it's a it's a double decker oven, so he's hitting the partition between the two ovens, and he's like, "I am not Daniel in the lion's den," or something like that. And he also tells God that he appreciates the irony of, you know, him being a chef getting cooked in his own oven. <laughs> and he, he gets to the top oven right as the shark breaks the door glass on the lower oven. And look, far be it from me to tell L.O. Cool J that he should have just jumped on the back of the shark and whacked it with the axe because I don't know how the fuck I would react in this situation. But that would have made so much more fucking sense in terms of killing the shark than what actually transpires. This is the director uh, doing an homage to his own movie. Fuck out of here. Because he also directed Die Hard 2. And how did John McClane destroy the plane at the end of Die Hard 2? With a gas oven. <laughs> <laughs> With a Zippo lighter lighting the stream of fuel that blew up the plane. So he is wanting to have a Zippo lighter. Yeah, because that's pretty much what happens. Uh, L Cool J swims to the other side of the kitchen. The kitchen is now presumably filled with gas he takes out his zippo lights it and he gives his one-liner you killed my bird so badass <laughs> such a badass line <laughs> i want that on a t-shirt i want ll cool j's like you killed my bird <laughs> i am ll cool j you killed my bird prepare to die <laughs> <laughs> 
And so he throws the Zippo into the, the gas-filled kitchen, and he just locks out because at the correct moment, the shark takes its head out of the water as the place explodes. That's what kills it. It had the, had he not done it, all this would have been for nothing. He had enough time to run to the end of the room in waist height water, which is hard to do, and this shark couldn't get to him. We've already established that it would be perfectly capable to back itself out of the oven instead of having to like do a lap in this what ten by eight kitchen. <laughs> What the fuck? That's what it is. The shark had to like do the Austin Powers U-turn to get facing the proper direction to go after him again. <laughs> it's making the beeping noises while it does it. <laughs> well, I was just gonna say that this was the moment where the movie took an odd turn because the explosion ruptured the entire side of the facility. It all flooded in and they all drowned um, and the movie ended. You know, I would contest the point that a simple gas oven could do that, but what the hell? A fucking stretcher <laughs> destroyed the deep sea you know, window. <laughs> Thrown underwater. Yeah. Yep. With the worst possible angle, trajectory, and everything for it to move unimpeded. <laughs> like, it just going <laughs> Still can't get over it. So back in the wet dock, the the gang feels the explosion as they're all changing into wetsuits, and Thomas Jane tells Samuel Jackson to stay away from the fucking entrance, the wet pool in the beginning. He full on calls him out on his horror movie instincts, and Samuel Jackson responds by casually strolling around the edge. Oh, he does once it's time to give his speech. So apparently there is a way to get to the surface that Michael Rappaport just failed to mention earlier. But if they open the hatch there, it'll fuck with the pressure inside and that level will flood. Because, yeah, Michael Rappaport is trying to get And this starts a, an argument between Michael Rappaport and Susan, who's like, no, what the fuck? You're going to flood this place in. You're going to let the ocean. And he's like, fuck you, lady. I don't work for you anymore. <laughs> this prompts Samuel Jackson to intervene to give his we are going to pull together speech. Um, and he starts it off by letting us know, you know, what actually happened during in the Alps during the avalanche. And, you know, seven people survived the avalanche. Only five made it out. They swore that they would never say or tell the world what happened to the two people that were killed. And it was basically he's implying it was kind of because of infighting, but it really seemed like they ate them. <laughs> I was gonna say. Yeah, that's what I thought as well. And to his credit, he doesn't actually say what happened. <laughs> no. Leaves it very ambiguous. But it was basically the fact that it wasn't just the avalanche. Like, they got crushed or suffocated or hypothermia or whatever. It was, they got killed. There was some infighting. They got killed. And there is definitely an implication that uh, they were eaten to survive. So anyways, he... <laughs> I'm sorry, just after this chat about cannibalism. So anyway, <laughs> let's build a snowman. <laughs> yes, Cannibal the Musical. Yeah, so he jumps off this 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 point he's making to be like, so we are not going to fight anymore. We're going to pull together and chop. <laughs> the fucking shark jumps out of the bottom of the pool, bites Samuel L. Jackson, drags him into the ocean in one of the greatest fucking deaths in movie history. This was so startling and unexpected. I nearly had a heart attack when I first saw it. It definitely got me, but it's still so pointless. Just rewatching it, I, I had a bit of a chuckle because I had flashbacks of Toy Story. 
And I thought the shark would come out with a cowboy hat and say, look, I'm Woody. Howdy, howdy, howdy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> While I would absolutely have fucking loved for that to have happened, I'm going to disagree with it being pointless. No one else was really known in this movie. Sam Jackson's like of anyone that you'd expect to get through it. I mean, he had his death in Jurassic Park, but still. He was the big name guy. You know, he's the movie star guy of this movie. And so now it's it's establishing that no one is safe. Well, the problem I have with that is that Thomas Jane did the whole thing about him having terrible horror movie instincts. And the fact that he's so stupid in this sort of movie speech moment that the movie is somehow both aware and unaware at the same time of how ludicrous it is. I mean, it's just, it, it's it's a cheap jump scare. It really is to me. It's just putting it at a point you don't expect, which is cheap, but doesn't actually mean anything. You know, the star dying is, has happened numerous times in previous movies to make everyone feel like someone else might die. That's not it. It's when it happens. It's because it happens during the speech that makes it so surprising. What makes it pointless to me is the fact that you have the horror movie instinct moment followed by the horror movie cliche. So it just feels like a complete phone-in. I would chalk that up to not, maybe not being effective, but that's different from pointless. <laughs> <laughs> there is a point. There is a reason we put it in there. It's very obvious what the reason is. Whether or not it works, that's a whole other stuff. Okay, maybe pointless is the wrong word, but I, I'm, okay. I'm going to say it's still stupid. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. It is stupid. That was my sticking point was just, you know, word usage. And entertaining as hell, though. And because this movie's ripped off enough of Jurassic Park as it is, it's moved on to the sequel and it rips off the lost world because now the two sharks tear him in half underwater and they both eat half a Samuel L. Jackson. I was going to ask, can you rip off Jurassic Park enough? But you you made a beautiful point. So, thank you, thank yeah. you. I mean, Samuel L. Jackson is a metaphor for how this movie treated Jurassic Park. It's just tearing it up into pieces. <laughs> Chowing down. Doing a beautiful rip-off. Which happened to him in Jurassic Park. Ah, exactly. This movie just loves it. <laughs> well, in Jurassic Park, he lost an arm, but it didn't get eaten. It just fell onto Ellie's shoulder. <laughs> it waited for a convenient moment to fall. Yeah. So anyways, Michael Rappaport is now freaking out, and he's like, oh, shit, I am not going to move. Someone's going to come. I'm not moving. He's he's freaking out. And then Thomas Jane's like, hey, hey, why don't you explain what happens if like this place floods too much? And because Michael Rappaport is the engineer, systematically describing how the place would catastrophically collapse and how they'd all be fucked calms him down. I think it's more of a... If you sit here, I mean, the, the idea, sorry, the idea of it is to get him to realize that if he sits there to wait for help, help's not going to get there in time. But he does get progressively calmer while describing the absolute destruction. You're, you're right. I do have a question here because I am not an engineer. I am not construction or architecture or anything at all. Why would the support struts buckle before the walls? Why, why would the support system be the first thing to go? That's my question. I don't know, man. <laughs> okay. All right. Sharks have been throwing gurneys at it for hours now. <laughs> yeah, they just can it up. My God, stretcher. how many stretchers do these sharks have access to? <laughs> that. 
Now we have solved the mystery of why they swam into the facility to begin with. They had to procure more stretchers and gurneys to assault the structure (laughs) itself with. Makes perfect sense. Solved. Solved. (laughs) Solved. So after describing this you know, <laughs> catastrophic scenario, Thomas Jane says to Michael Rappaport, so, hey, do you want to be here for that man? And Michael Rappaport says, hell no, hell no. So they, they open the door, water gushes up from the pool, and they get into the elevator shaft, and Thomas Jane and Michael Rappaport have to close the door from underwater because enough water rushes in to, to flood enough. And the two ladies are just like, cool, you, you boys have it. We're just going to start climbing up the ladder. To which I call bullshit. I do not believe they would be able to close that door. Definitely not. Well, I, I'm also kind of curious why there's a fireball at the top of the elevator shaft. Obviously the oven. <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> yeah. That's how gas works. Before the shark turned the oven on it made sure that there was like a a hatch or ventilation shaft or something that was open for the gas to flow through so that they could cut off the human's escape with a giant fireball at the top of this access shaft for some goddamn reason the characters actually say that we can't get any higher because of the elevator but all that's above them is a fireball so the implication is that basically the elevator floor is just on fire for no reason (laughs) They made it out of flammable materials. I believe you mean fireball.mpeg. <laughs> yes. Important distinction. Yeah, this is a Winamp fire visualizer. This is... But my question here is this. We were told earlier in the movie that they couldn't take the elevator shaft because it would have been sealed off and they couldn't do it. But now they can all of a sudden take the elevator shaft? Like, what the fuck is this? I took it as just... They couldn't take the elevator itself. But he said the elevator shaft seals itself off, so they're not able to... So they, the movie just forgot one of the, <laughs> the constrictions that it placed on the plot. Different elevator shaft. They were they were in a different part of the facility. I th- there's only one elevator. Like, <laughs> I mean, the only thing I could think of is that they're okay with it sinking now. Like, the elevator shaft was sealed. They were going to preserve the facility. They were just trying to get out. Now they don't care if the facility goes down. They just need to get to the surface. Sure. So they climb up the the ladder uh, that runs up the side of the shaft. Uh, Giggity. And (laughs) (laughs) while... That made me laugh far too much. (laughs) (laughs) So the falling debris, you know, there's flaming debris falling from um, up the shaft. I'm going to stop pointing out how wrong that sounds. (laughs) And what Mike Rappaport points out is that they make it to level one, they can take the stairs up to the surface. Uh, He doesn't know that that way is flooded, but he's got hope. So looking through uh, shark vision, trademark, we go up through (laughs) the flooded wet dock entrance and we follow it as it weirdly moves. Like how this camera moves is fucking crazy, but it, it sees the door that they went through and shut and it starts banging on it. The gang hears the vibrations and they realize that oh shit the sharks are trying to break in they climb faster must climb faster must climb faster (laughs) (laughs) and so thomas jade tells michael rapaport that he's gonna go back down to level two and open the door there because that level's only partially flooded that'll run off some of the water that's gonna come up from when the sharks bust through and that'll buy them some time so he climbs down michael rapaport climbs past him he's like they're big real big and thomas jane's like what what are 
those size of your brass balls. This movie knew its audience. It knew its audience. <laughs> and so, yeah, Michael Rappaport starts climbing down up. Thomas Jane climbs down past him and door gets busted open. The sharks are coming in. The water's rising. Aquaman superpowers of being able to pry this door open by hand. But before he pries the door open by hand, he's the first person to get hit and the only person to get hit by this flaming debris. Like, it hits his arm as he gets to the, the, the door. I feel like something else happened, and then they just had to CG a bit of debris in there <laughs> to explain why he has an injury. <laughs> drop the boom mic or something. <laughs> we'll turn it into fire and post. <laughs> it's really bad. It's, it looks terrible. But yes, your point that he stuck a knife in there, this is clearly more of a diving knife, and those things are not fucking durable. This would have snapped. Absolutely. It did. No, 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 no. Long before oh, it, I see. in the movie. Yeah, this was not full tang. Like, those di- knives are definitely not full tang. Yeah, so he, he pries it open just enough where he can, like, stick his fingers in and Aquaman, as you were saying, John. I was like, but still, yeah, to even get your fingers in and push these things open, <laughs> no. No, I mean, yeah, like after that. establishing that this elevator shaft has sealed itself, it's good to know that it was very thoroughly sealed. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, Aquaman, I guess that does explain how they got the door shut at the bottom as well. I'll have to retract that statement. I, for some reason, forgot about Aquaman. I don't know how I did that. <laughs> you can't forget Aquaman in this movie. Yeah, he gets onto the ladder just before, because the water's risen enough, and he gets onto the ladder just before a shark bites his legs. Um, So as they're climbing... There's a shock wave that dislodges the bolts that are holding the ladder to the side of the shaft, and this segment of ladder falls back down. It also manages to sandwich itself against the wall or like rest on the ledge. I'm not sure what happens here, but it doesn't like it stays perpendicular. Yeah, it somehow perfectly reaches the exact diameter of this. <laughs> And this is entirely so that one character can fall off and another character can do a reachy hand. Yeah, this was my big cliffhanger moment. This is where I really recognized it because Thomas Jane has to hang by his legs, you know, to reach down. And it's very much a similar pose. Yeah, he's trying to get Jan, who's fallen down, and she's doing the, I don't want to die, Carter, help me, because Thomas Jane's character's name is Carter. Jan gets pulled under, and then we get this, like, (laughs) shark jumping up with her in the shark's mouth and yeah the shark breaches for no reason except for drama oh but it was amazing i loved this moment i expected the shark to jump up at him or while he's like she goes down and while he's he's reaching i just expected the water to go red and then the shark to jump up but instead it comes up with her and its mouth and it's spraying everywhere and everyone's freaking the hell out. It's wonderful. It's amazing. Hell yeah, I love this death. But she still gets like dragged under and there's red in the water and that all does happen. Yeah. Oh yeah, you get that in the after effects. Yeah. So Thomas Jane's like, hey, uh, Michael Rappaport, can you reach the, the 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 door on the level above us? And it's it's too high and they hear these noises coming from the door and like, oh fuck, that's flooded too. We're so boned. But it's actually LL Cool J. So there's a nice little surprise for him. What the fuck is this character doing in this movie? I just don't get it. Okay, now is the time to bring this up. Because this character, LL Cool J's character, 
has had no fucking history that we are aware of established with any character. He has only interacted with a character that wasn't Samuel L. Jackson once in this movie up until this point, and that was to tell to flip off Brenda because he didn't like the song she was playing at Susan's birthday party. That is it. Other than that, LL Cool J has existed in a fucking Enbird. But other than that, LL Cool J has existed in a vacuum. Which they broke the seal when they went into the shaft. <laughs> it doesn't get old, actually, now that I think about no. it. <laughs> like all the shaft jokes. So yeah, um, LL Cool J gets some bed sheets and ties them together and helps them get up. And LL Cool J tells them that they're lucky they came up on this side because on the other side, it's flooded. And it's very good, too, because by the time he pulls the sheets up, the, the water level's risen to the level of the the collapsed ladder. So, so Cool J tells them that the, the stairway that they thought they were going to take to the surface is flooded. We as the audience already know this. And Michael Rappaport yells at God to give them a break and the facility immediately shudders. So God is a character in this movie? Well, yeah, he tells you when you can't when you should start and stop drinking. And then he sends you uh, soft porn to motivate you. <laughs> so if the magazine had floated by again, would he have given up? That's that's a sign to just start masturbating in the water. <laughs> saltwater lube? I, I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> I say, like, yeah, being inundated with salt water, how is that not a sign you should start masturbating? <laughs> I mean, if there was ever an appropriate time to abandon some children... <laughs> directly into the ocean Uh, so El J tells Michael Rappaport that God always answers but sometimes the answer you get isn't the answer you want and ah religion doing insane mental gymnastics to attribute random chance to a divine plan but also prayer works (laughs) well apparently nobody was praying for their uh, to not get killed by giant sharks in this movie because a lot of them got killed so Thomas Jane remembers that there's an emergency hatch on this level and that at this point there are only 60 feet below the surface. And Michael Rappaport goes back to one of the hotel maps and says they've got <laughs> build pumps on this level that they use for storm runoff and that if they can activate the backup generators, they can drain one whole level of this staircase. I am not going to make this make sense. I I will not attribute brain cells to trying to make that fucking make sense, but that is what is conveyed from Michael Rappaport. I mean, it's okay. That plan fails anyway. (laughs) I just want to bask in weirdness of it. Storm runoff? At 60 feet under the ocean? Yes! (laughs) What the fuck are you talking about storm runoff? That's what the pipe from your gutters does so that the water doesn't like ruin your fucking foundation or baseboards or something. That's what you do with storm runoff. Or you create like a sewer so it's not flooding the goddamn town. You are underwater. What goddamn runoff is there? Is architecture a science that you that can go fuck itself from this movie? No, it's engineering. <laughs> it's certainly engineering. Yeah. yeah, engineering can go fuck itself. Like biology can go fuck itself. Engineering can go fuck itself. Physics can go fuck itself in a bit. I will tell you that when we get there. So the gang goes into Jan's room. LL Cool J won't eat her power bars, even though they like, haven't had anything to eat. Like they find her power bar stash. Picky chef. But that's not what they're really here for. Exactly. What I want to bring up is speaking of shafts, 
The casual vibrator search is casual. What is this? What is this moment? Because for some reason, Michael Rappaport really wants to find a dead woman's vibrators to get the battery. He needs batteries for a flashlight. So naturally... Gotta find the vibrator. Yeah. Gotta power... <laughs> And I mean, LL Cool J's reaction is very apt given the situation. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> so Thomas Jane goes into Jan's bathroom for medical supplies. Apparently that's all that's in her medicine cabinet is like very intricate first aid supplies. No toothbrushes, no Advil, nothing. Just, you know, <laughs> hydrogen peroxide and fucking bandages. <laughs> I know that's all I have in my bathroom. <laughs> Because <laughs> that's where I get all my injuries. Do you think Jan had the appropriate breathing apparatus for Stellan Skarsgård? <laughs> <laughs> like it's, like it's, it's tucked away under the sink somewhere. <laughs> Maybe. Also, if Thomas Jane had found the vibrator in the bathroom, that would have been great. <laughs> Just in the medicine cabinet. <laughs> Behind the Tylenol. In one of the med kits. Just yes. <laughs> so, but the reason why he's gone into there to look for medical supplies is because he says to, to Susan, he's following him, oh, my, my skin is hemorrhaging. Uh, you mean you're bleeding? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> so what the, who the fuck says it like that? <laughs> Every time a character now bleeds, I'm just going to say their skin's hemorrhaging. <laughs> I support this decision. But apparently this is like when you get a scratch and it takes a while to start bleeding because it hasn't been bleeding since he got hit by the flaming debris. It's not dripping. It's not leaking. Nothing like that. It's looked raw. I don't know, man. It's like, yeah, I've started bleeding. Just say I started bleeding. When you get a paper cut, you don't say I'm having a paper hemorrhage. Like, what the fuck? Well, no, because the paper is not the one bleeding. Your skin is beginning to hemorrhage. Okay, well, I was just mixing things up there. That's why you're no shark wrangler. <laughs> nope, I am not a shark wrangler. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he puts on this oil-based cream and, like, wraps it up. So, like, if they have to go into the water, the shark won't smell the blood. And, this, and Susan's finally starting to realize that she might have fucked up here. She, <laughs> she might have not done the right thing with all of this. And this, okay, this is where physics can go fuck itself royally. So Michael Rappaport realizes it's 4 a.m. He's like, man, this night has felt like an eternity. And El Coulter's like, yeah, it's because of Einstein's theory of relativity. You touch a hot pan, seconds feel like hours. But you touch a hot woman, and hours feel like seconds. And Michael Rappaport's response to this is, you know, I've spent four years at Caltech, and that is the best physics explanation I have ever heard. And no, motherfucker, I bet you've heard another one, because that's not how the fucking theory of relativity works. Holy fuck. Although it is a paraphrase of Einstein. It's a paraphrase of Einstein. Oh, really? Einstein actually said, uh, I actually have the quote here, put your hand on a hot stove, a minute can seem like an hour, sit down with a beautiful woman, and an hour can seem like a minute. That's relativity. Okay, that's cool. That's his line. Now, the fact that the engineer who has studied physics and such has never heard a better explanation, that's questionable. But <laughs> I, yeah, I was so amazed. I'm like, there's no fucking way Einstein said that. I'm like, no, this is a slight paraphrase. This is very dead on to an actual quote. It's it is. Amazing. It's amazing. This was one of my favorite lines of the movie, and now I find out that the movie didn't even come up with it. Well, the fact that it actually is something that you would attribute to Einstein makes me love it even more, to be honest. <laughs> Anyways, moving on. Uh, Susan is standing by the window in Jan's room, and I, you, if you blink, you miss this. But there's actually a tiny Finnish flag 
there's a tiny fit. So I think what they're implying is that Stellan Skarsgård's character is actually Finnish, even though he himself is an actor. Stellan Skarsgård is Swedish. Um, so yeah, because Jen and Stellan Skarsgård were dating, and I guess they shared a room or whatever. She had a room, and she had a Finnish flag because he's Finnish. They shared a room. Why would she have a vibrator? Because while he's Finnish, he couldn't finish her. <laughs> oh! I lined you up perfectly for that. The joke actually already popped in my head, and then you gave me a beautiful setup. Thank you, sir. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> so the plan is, L Cool J is going to stay with Susan, and Michael Rappaport and Thomas Jane are going to go to the wet lab to try and activate the generator. And my note here is, Hello, JP, my old friend. I've come to steal your plot again. (laughs) (laughs) So Michael Rappaport and Thomas Jane go down to level two where the wet lab is, which still hasn't fully flooded somehow, given that Thomas Jane had opened the door to like let the runoff from the shaft go in there. But you think at this point that would have just been totally flooded. It's like an air pocket at the top. Yeah, no, because they're going down the hallway, like using the pipes that run down the ceiling to kind of propel themselves forward. And yeah, there's enough room between the ceiling and the water where they can still breathe. It's possible. Uh, Unlikely given the circumstances. But it is. They need it to be this way for the movie. And so they're kind of going down the hallway. And Michael Rappaport takes a moment to be like, eh, you in the dock, huh? Getting getting, getting kind of cozy. And I, I enjoyed this line. <laughs> Thomas Jane asked him, uh, they got a pill for what's wrong with you, Scoggs? Because Scoggs is Michael Rappaport's character. <laughs> <laughs> I'm absolutely going to use that in conversation someday. So Susan tells LL Cool J that she's going to get a research from her room. And LL Cool J is like, why are you going to risk your life? There's been so much death already, you know? And she says, well, look, without that research, all this death is going to be completely useless. And LL Cool J's line here is, death is always useless, doctor. And my note here is, says the guy that believes the death of the only son of God saved humanity from eternal damnation. I just simply wrote the quote and then, that is not true. Yeah, that is absolutely <laughs> not true. I mean, I was I was just stuck on the fact that he keeps he says it's a bunch of numbers when it's when it's clearly to save lives. Why is everyone being so oblivious to what their mission was in the first place? I went with just a more general biology take of through death you support future life, whether that's, you know, nutrition or making space in a population or whatever. And then also Will someone think of the necromancers? <laughs> I mean, they're going to be out of a job if we don't have any death. Come on now. Exactly. How are you supposed to raise an undead horde if there's no dead people? It's Exactly. It's... By the way, do they refer to, uh, like, when they visit a graveyard or something, would necromancers consider that an unboxing? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, everybody here. I'm at Janet's grave. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) All right, here we are. I got a brand new unboxing. And then the paladin's just like, dude, not again. (laughs) (laughs) All right, before we unbox this, be sure to smash that like button. (laughs) Yeah, so they get to the lab entrance, and Thomas Jane says he's going to go open the door, and then he's going to come back for Michael Rappaport. But I thought this was the door that got busted open earlier. So he dives down, and one of Thomas Jane's shoes is 
all the way untied. You see long ass shoelaces dragging behind him underwater. <laughs> and uh, we see a menacing fin uh, coming down the corridor. Thomas Jane, he swims into the lab kind of from like the top of the, the flooded stairs to the bottom. And we get a dead Stellan Skarsgård jump scare. And he has to rise up to the top where there's an air pocket and have a scream. <laughs> but how does he know that there's an air pocket there? That's a good question. <laughs> Aquaman powers. <laughs> oh, yeah. How could I have forgotten? Aquaman, of course. Uh, then Michael Rappaport just pops up and joins him for the screaming. <laughs> just kind of <laughs> like, oh, we're screaming now. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Rappaport is that guy who walks into a room and just starts laughing because everyone else is. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he just he wants to fit in with Thomas Jane. <laughs> and so they eventually calm down and they assure each other, that, okay, they're going to do everything right together. Very awkward phrasing, but that is how they say it. They're going to do this together. Wait, you're right or my right? <laughs> <laughs> no, stage right, but camera left. It's, it's just, just, just follow my lead. So back in the living quarters, LL Cool J finds a camcorder and he starts. I love, I actually, this is my favorite joke from the movie. I don't know why. Oh, I remember this and it is the best. Everyone loved this part of the movie. Even me who was scared shitless of this movie loved this part of the movie. So he picks it up and he starts waxing poetic about how he was a flawed man. You know, if you find this, I haven't survived. And you know, what is my legacy? What am I going to leave behind? And he immediately starts saying, today we're going to make the perfect omelet. He's using two eggs, not three. Amateurs will add milk for density. This is a mistake. <laughs> Fucking brilliant. I legitimately stopped putting milk in my scrambled eggs when I made them because of this movie. I shit you not. I stopped doing that. Yeah, but you also stopped walking near swimming pools. So, <laughs> Look, you win some, you lose some. It's, you know. You a creme fresh man now? I no, I'm not Randy Marsh. Creme fraiche. <laughs> no, nah, sorry. As nice as this moment was, it made me think of playing Bioshock, and you're going through this leaky underwater city, just finding audio logs all over the goddamn place. <laughs> <laughs> Is a shark not entitled to the sweat of his brow? <laughs> Audience member, if you have not played the video game Bioshock. Do yourself a favor. Stop the podcast. I know we're almost over here, but you need to go fucking play it in its entirety because it is a goddamn masterpiece. Anyway. A shark decides a gurney obeys. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I will have to say... That Nick, you've really got to stop telling our listeners to stop the podcast. <laughs> I do, I do. Okay, listener, t- scratch that. Uh, finish listening to the podcast, and then go play Bioshock. <laughs> okay, okay, fixed it, saved it. Uh, <laughs> so in the flooded lab, uh, Michael Rapoport and Thomas Jane are starting to move some lab equipment away from the generator switches that somehow still work despite having been submerged underwater for several hours. That's how electricity works. But does not conduct through salt water. <laughs> you know, there's a whole theory as well that they built up. Oh, on... the how they knew like how to funnel them to a exactly. place yeah. because they have like electro reset. Yeah, I came across that bullshit too. <laughs> I was, was going to say that they 
seem to know what this generator does because what happens next and by bullshit i just want to clarify that i mean yeah sure maybe they can sense electrical impulses i don't believe that means they can track people through a facility (laughs) that was also the explanation for why they ate samuel l jackson because they were able to realize that he was helping them calm down and they want and the sharks wanted these people in a heightened state of panic. Unbelievable. This guy who's basically trying to explain away all the criticisms for this movie. <laughs> Such a small life. This is Olympic level <laughs> mental gymnastics from this particular fan base. Holy shit. So yeah, they they get the equipment off. Michael Rapoport switches the switches. He gives Thomas Jame a thumbs up. And a big fuck off shark comes up right behind him, bites him in half, and you see his leg twitching, doing a little leg twitch. Yeah, somehow Michael Rapoport, um, who works in an underwater station, does not know appropriate hand signals for when you're underwater. That was what I was going to (laughs) say, stealing my bloody note, John. (laughs) Well, as the scuba certified member of the podcast... I don't know. I am not scuba certified, but I know that the proper hand signal is the circle for AOK. Which Thomas Jane does. Exactly. And thumbs up to go to the surface. Thumbs up is to ascend. Thumbs down is to descend. Yeah. So the shark (laughs) punishes him for his poor hand signal. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Uh, I I would like to point out that I am also scuba certified. So No, you're not. I will literally whip out my certification. It's in my desk. That's not all he's going to whip out. Listeners, you can't see this, but they're whipping out certifications right in front of the camera right now, and it's really... Actually, I am. There it is. (laughs) Ah! I dropped dropped my certification. Thomas Jane swims up, has another scream, or like he breathes, then he goes back down, and instead of going out the way he came in... There's a door next to the electrical panel. Oh, also Michael Rappaport gets like smushed into the the panel. So I guess they fucked up something. I don't know. Right. And the shark uses its time-honored weapon, a human body. (laughs) (laughs) Which, as we know, is incredibly hydrodynamic. Especially when strapped to a stretcher. If these sharks were genuinely, genuinely smart, they'd be using tools. Not one of them uses a tool. They they recognize thumbs and no proper usage as established, but <laughs> yes. they don't have them themselves to operate tools. Because we know they can remain stationary, no problem. We've established that they can hold a gurney in their mouths and use it to smash something. True. So get a stick and whack. I'm just trying to picture like wire or bolt cutters. In those teeth, like to snap to snip through the uh, fencing. See, I just want—I imagine them like bringing their their fins around and just like pushing them together. Well, if it's more like snips, yeah, they, there'd be those little—you know—there's a little round hole like where your fingers would go, and so they could get their fins in there. Sure, but like a bolt cutter wouldn't. Anyways, work, so. Uh, so shark shenanigans in our minds aside, <laughs> uh, there's a door next to the electrical panel that Thomas Jane just knows that he can unlock and it's there's no flooding in there why, why doesn't the shark eat him in all this time yeah the yeah. shark like that's the other cool thing the shark is right behind it just pieces out yeah it, it, it like whiffs it whiffs trying to bite thomas jay and it just like i don't know had a food coma moment after eating michael rapaport 
like lost its bearings. Yeah, I had two responses. One was what Nick just said. Michael Rappaport is incredibly satiating. (laughs) Um, But it's also weirdly explained by the movie in that the sharks needed them to help destroy the facility. So if they ate everybody at once, then they're not going to be able to escape the fence. But why even eat anyone at all? For some reason, the sharks have no time. (laughs) (laughs) And they need the people to hurry to these specific places to aid them in destroying this place. I'm not look. I'm not saying it's making sense. Okay? They do spend a ludicrous <laughs> amount of time waiting stealthily for human beings in this movie. Yes, they do. <laughs> in mid-thigh depth water. <laughs> <laughs> no, you see, what happened is they took notes of the the timing, so they knew that when the boat was away, they only had a certain amount of time to bring the place down before the boat came back. Also, they must have gotten like a set of schematics for this fucking facility to know exactly where they needed to flood it to bring it down. Dude, they read the maps. (laughs) What do you think they were doing previously with those giant windows? They've been scanning camera footage for for weeks. I mean... (laughs) Exactly! What about this is not making sense? <laughs> I just like Seriously. to think of them like at the bottom of like one of their pens on a desk with a desk lab, just got like a blueprint just on this table underwater, like going through it. They got to have those uh, little green accountant visors on. <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> those things that no one ever wears. Uh, so back uh, in the living quarters, Susan nervously steps down into her partially flooded room and locks the door behind her just in case. Um, pinning that. Oh my god. Oh my god. I love this entire scene. Well, hang on. We're almost so, so TJ makes it back to uh, Thomas J makes it back to the elevator shaft. Jake helps him come out whatever finds out that michael yeah. rapaport died <laughs> whatever but the light here is great because he said like i'm done brothers don't ever make it out of situations like this ever and my note here is mm, samuel jackson made it out of the avalanche also how many times do situations like this ever come up it's like no 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 <laughs> specific situations like this <laughs> The former submarine refueling station that has been repurposed to you see what I mean? Enhance shark brains to cure mental illnesses is starting to flood. Brothers never make it out of that, man. The <laughs> only reason Thomas Jane and LL Cool J survive is they both realize they're in a horror movie. I swear. <laughs> Step away from the pool. Brothers don't survive this. <laughs> genre awareness okay got it. so back in susan's room she takes the key off her necklace that we saw her put on earlier so like i said check off key on a necklace and she finds she opens her locker and she finds the disc with her research on it safe because she's put it in a watertight plastic pouch and we get an amazing full scare here because you see this fucking shark fin right behind her she turns around screams and it's the model that she was practicing on earlier in the movie. It, that's fucking great. That's a good false scare. I thought it was very mediocre. Well, I will enjoy my enjoyment, and you can enjoy your <laughs> not enjoyment. You enjoy not enjoying things. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure you quite get that, Nick. <laughs> that's not how it works. And then we see the actual shark fin come up, and 
what? How did I don't think this is even thigh deep water at this point. <laughs> it's not even thigh deep water, but also she closed the door. Yes. This shark must have been have wandered in and fallen asleep in the corner of her room. That's the only explanation I can come up These with. Sharks with... had to have once belonged to the deliverance dudes. I mean, there's no <laughs> other way. There is no other way. Yeah, just take an elbow. Oh, bro. Again, another thing that sharks absolutely totally do. <laughs> is lay still and sleep. Just imagine him out of the water. He's like pulled up like her bed sheet that's been submerged. <laughs> like, getting cozy in the corner. He wouldn't have had to snooze if he was in Jan's room. I mean, there's always something to do in there. So, yeah. <laughs> And actually, since he is actually a she, would have really liked the vibrator. Oh, that's true. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, shark. Yeah, the shark. The shark went in there. The shark stayed there. The shark decided to be silent and hide. What it, the fuck? It, just none of that makes sense. I feel like it followed her. Even though we see her walking downstairs into the water, mm-hmm. I feel the shark followed her down the corridor and was able to slip in before the door locked. <laughs> took a deep breath, just walked in between a few corridors. <laughs> it took a deep breath! <laughs> <laughs> walking on its tail like Jabberjaw. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, she has to get on top of a shelf to get out of the water, but she drops her disc and k- tries to reach out for it. But the shark jumps out of the water and doesn't bite her hand. She manages to get it out of the way in time. More reaching. More reaching. A lot of Quicker reaching. than a bird taking flight. <laughs> but yeah, so she sees there's this really thick cable going over to one of the lights in the room. Like, seems like an excessively thick cable given that it's like one 60-watt bulb in this fucking thing. But anyway, she gets an idea. She disconnects the wire and then takes off her wetsuit and stands on it to insulate her so she's not grounding herself. We're, we're using actual science now, all of a sudden? When did this start? It, it started at the point at which a sexy woman could strip down to a bikini. The basis of all science. Yes. I'm not going to pretend I didn't enjoy this. I'm a giant pervert, and I'm not going to apologize for it. Yeah, so but I feel like she should have at least done the the getting down to the bikini first because you want the insulation to place before you're pulling out fucking high voltage cables from the wall. At least that that that's my thought. But she does she does in that order. So she takes the cable in her hand and the shark jumps up and she chucks the cable in its mouth, electrocutes it, but she also destroys the disc in the water. So it was all for nothing. So speaking of stealing shit from much better movies, we have now killed a shark with an explosion and then having it chomp on an electrical wire. Yeah, they, every shark death in this movie is from each Jaws movie, one, two, and three. So Thomas Jane and Ella Cool J meet up with Susan. It's now time to get the fuck out of there. And so they get to a room with an emergency hatch with some fire extinguishers and some life vests. And the idea is basically they're going to use the bright life vests and the churning water from the fire extinguishers to distract the shark while they swim up to the surface and get the fuck out of there. Yeah, because the the sharks will be attracted to the churning water and the bright colors. And do sharks see in color? Yes, they do. I did look this up. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. But again, they can't smell and track prey. No, they can't. But they are attracted to bright colors. This is cor- a correct shark f- shark fact. 
I could not see anything about being attracted to churning water. However, be uh, I did learn that being in rough water will not save you because if a shark happens to come across you, it's going to bite first and ask questions later. Yeah, I mean, they also use bite. It's like investigating shit. So. Yeah, but the movie can't have it both ways. You can't have a super intelligent shark and a shark that's distracted by bubbles and bright, shiny things. You, you can't have it both ways, I'm sorry. Well, this movie certainly thinks it can. <laughs> I know lots of smart people that get easily distracted. <laughs> yeah, this movie has a shark that has like studied the finer points of human engineering, but also <laughs> goes after shiny things. I was like, but also, so... ooh, shiny, exactly. <laughs> L Cool J is like, hey, why can't we have life vests? And fucking Thomas Jane says, no, it's going to bring you up to the surface too fast and your lungs are going to pop. You're not going to be able to breathe out too fast. And bullshit. Also, not true. You you might go up too fast where you can wind up having some trouble. But, you know, if you're risking getting eaten by a shark. Yeah, they're deep enough where, like, they're already, like, they're going to get, probably get the bends anyway. Just how they're ascending normally. Yeah, because they're trying to go, like, 60 feet still. You're still at a, at a level where you need to depressurize. Also, like, they're going to, like, from, like, regular room pressure to, like, high pressure really fast. Versus, like, going progressively further down. Is that a thing that they need to be worried about or not? When they equalize the pressure. Um... Uh... No, no, I don't. That's not so much of a thing. the The whole idea with taking your time going up is that your your body's gotten saturated with the compressed air. So what happens when there's less pressure outside of you is it starts to separate out from your tissues. That's the problem with the bends. But yeah, so they're gonna they're gonna be risking the bends anyway, given how fast they're gonna be ascending. Put a fucking life vest on. Just breathe out faster as you ascend. Like fuck off. Like. No, this is to make it them swim slower and make this scene more tense. But, but it's okay, Nick, because then we get something that I know you love, which is a really sweet prayer moment between all three of them. Oh, God. I. <laughs> so here's the thing. You know, I can at least some I can at least appreciate someone dropping like badass motherfucker in their prayer. <laughs> yeah, they, they all clasp hands as they're flooding the room to equalize it. And like LL Cool J starts saying that, you know, the yay, though I walked through the valley of the shadow of death. I remember like watching this kid and I was a Christian as a kid, so I thought this was badass. But as a, you know, atheist now, I'm like, eh, doesn't move me. So yeah, the, the room floods. They all take a deep breath. They pop the emergency hatch, put throw out the distraction extinguishers. <laughs> and starts swimming up. Shark shows up pretty quickly, bites one of them. They all get to the surface. And I think LL Cool J was just way too close to one that floated all the way up because he gets bitten in the leg. And he, no, he actually gets bitten in half immediately, just like Gogs did. It definitely appears that way. Yeah, like every other character that's died in this fucking movie. Except Skarsgård. He got windowed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he got windowed to death. <laughs> I just love the idea that the coroner's report thrown through window by shark cause of death. <laughs> we refer to that as incomplete defenestration. <laughs> we as if I'm a coroner, but fucking. <laughs> I officially designate you as Millennial Rewind's official coroner. Fuck yes! And now for my latest unbagging. <laughs> <laughs> but 
But of course, LL Cool J isn't dead. He's uh, his his skin is just hemorrhaging. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> fucking amazing Uh, damn right yeah he's just getting dragged in the mouth of this giant shark bleeding out profusely uh i mean there's nothing at this point that thomas jane or susan can do for the him so they kind of swim to the side and the way ll cool j gets out of this crucifix stab crucifix stab in the eye which is kind (laughs) of badass not gonna lie I mean, as we'll see later, the shark heals from getting its fucking eye gouged out really, really quickly. <laughs> the movie forgets that this happened to the shark, but it's cool now. Jesus Seriously, Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, the shark lets him go. And Thomas Jade dives in, pulls him out of the water, drags him to safety. And it's really, really lucky that despite Despite, you know, the typhoon and the massive fucking explosion on the surface, uh, there's a there's a first aid kit, an unharmed first aid kit for Susan to to patch up LL Cool J. Level design for the surface was was very helpful. Uh, and, he, you know, so while she's patching him up, uh, LL Cool J says to Susan, it's the devil, you know. And nope, it's a shark. <laughs> <Not the devil>. <laughs> 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 that is way funnier than it should have been <laughs> uh, so thomas jane this at this moment like this is where he realized that oh they were hurting them using them to flood the facility so that they could escape yeah and that's where it comes around yes yep the fuck the sharks were smart enough to know what cameras are the layout the they were hurting them but eating them at the same time None of that consistently makes any sense. They were fluent in Mandarin. It was a whole thing. <laughs> Trained like... in modern dance. <laughs> Contemplating how many licks it takes to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop. I'm telling you. <laughs> Everyone lies on the headshot, right? <laughs> <laughs> on their resume, yeah. Uh, so, but, so Thomas J notices that the the above a section of the above water fence is now submerged mostly below and he's like oh fuck the you know only the fences that were below the water are made of titanium it's the fences above water only made of steel so this shark is gonna break out and my note here is and because the fence is really really flimsy compared to these solid steel doors that the shark was crashing through earlier it immediately escaped and there was nothing that susan and tj could do about it i'm sorry we know that these sharks can breach who else was disappointed they didn't just free willy the fence at this point why didn't they free willy the hell out of that nick is raising his hand like he's me in grade school slash hermione so yeah. <laughs> yes, me, me. I'm incredibly disappointed we didn't see free Sharky here. <laughs> <laughs> I think you mean free and the devil, because it's the devil. <laughs> free Satan. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> we have a hell of a time around here. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> oh, waka waka. Uh, so Susan says, "Well, we have to kill her," and Thomas Jane says, "Well, that's the first smart thing you've said all day." No, it's not. No, no, it isn't. No, no. There, there, she said a lot of smart things about, you know, saving humanity from the horrors of fucking degenerative brain disease, but <laughs> fuck that, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't just this first aid kit that survived this, you know, Hiroshima 
esque explosion. Uh, the arsenal did the little arsenal cubby. Um, so Thomas J can get out his harpoon gun from earlier, as well as several flares and a boat battery, because those are things that logically get stored together. <laughs> and so what he does is he takes the flares, twists them open, and he loads them into the harpoons and then rings them up to a wire because what he's going to do is shoot the harpoon into the shark. And then when he does that, Susan is supposed to complete the circuit with the car, the boat battery, and that will ignite the flare powder that he's put in the harpoon and blow it up. MacGyver. Yeah. Yeah. He MacGyvers some dynamite. Yeah. He shark givers the shit out of this. Um, Day one at shark wrangling school. You got to learn. <laughs> <laughs> gotta learn how to make an explosive <laughs> harpoon with flares yeah oh no 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 come on that is at least after you've passed your six month evaluation first we got to make sure that you can somersault out of the path of a fucking shark <laughs> so while the the shark the surviving shark is struggling slightly with this really flimsy steel fence <laughs> thomas j like runs across one of the the rat like the walkways and tries to, you know, get a bead on this shark, but it is way too far away. He's like, oh, fuck, I can't get a bead on her. Susan decides that she's going to use herself as bait to get the shark back, you know, to lure the, lure the shark. So she cuts her hand open with a rusty piece of metal to release all the delicious raspberry jam in her hand. I, I so wanted her to crack open a bottle of wine at this point. I really... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, she forcibly hemorrhages her skin. <laughs> <laughs> and instead of pulling, you know, like a uh, Michelle Rodriguez in Resident Evil and just, you know, squeezing it and dripping it down, decides to go for a swim. She just has to go for a swim. And okay, so this is the point where we should probably bring this up if we haven't already. But the the original ending of the film, she survived. Like there, Like there's a behind the scenes thing on the Wikipedia where she's kissing Thomas Jane because they get together because 90s movie. But when Tess Audius saw the first cut, they're like, no, fuck you. She's the villain. I, I want her to die. So they reshot it where the shark eats her, which is now. Oh, my God. So um, question for you, Nick, because you're our military nerd. When they were ascending with, uh, you know, with the decoy life vest and even at times here what jet sound are these sharks making <laughs> are they making jet sounds it I sounded like jet noise or something they have some amazing whooshing sounds <laughs> as they rocket through the water <laughs> i did not hear Aww. any jet sounds and i'm a military nerd but i'm not i can identify jet engines by sound military nerd i'm not that good the sharks have been consistently roaring throughout the entire movie <laughs> oh for sure maybe that was it maybe it was their roaring like kind of the way a, a siren will raise and lower its pitch as it passes you that could be it. Exactly. shark roars <laughs> She has to deliver a come to mama cliche. Yes, she does. But but the line preceding the come to mama cliche is she may be the smartest animal in the world, but she's still just an animal. I have that exact <laughs> quote written as well, followed by bullshit. <laughs> because we established that they can't smell. They'll mistake 
line for it on site and they get distracted by shinies. <laughs> they do. <laughs> its head is stuck in the fence, like trying to wriggle it and pry it open. It can't see you. Well, anyway, she does dive into the water with her, you know, hemorrhaging skin hand, uh, which she hemorrhages raspberry jam. Like that's what comes out of her hand when she cuts it. My note here is after she dives in, hey, Susan, who's supposed to connect the wire now? I don't think you thought this one through. <laughs> but the lack of thought continues with Thomas Jane. I guess it does. Because as the shark's swimming back to, you know, chomp her, he dives and he puts down the spear gun and dives in the water. He drops the gun. He drops the fucking spear gun to dive in to try and swim her to safety. What the fuck? Hey, Top, what do you think you're going to do by... Like, what do you think you're going to achieve by diving in? Like, what do you think you're doing here? This was day two of shark wrangling school. (laughs) Immediately panic. So yeah, Susan gets munched. She gets munched in half, as is tradition. And here's the thing. At this point, this shark has eaten Samuel L. Jackson. It's eaten Michael Rappaport. It's had a... It's had an arm. (laughs) It's had an arm. (laughs) (laughs) when does the shark get full like i can see like like like, when does it just like kill someone and then leave it because it's had enough or is it like a shark roman like goes to the vomitorium like off camera it just puts its fin down its throat like vomits up the previous human so it has room for the next human everything about this shark is enhanced including its metabolism the shitting was off screen (laughs) Again, because my, my mind is just like there's a there's a toilet at the bottom of the the lagoon, and the shark just has a newspaper taking a shit at the bottom of the lagoon, just like. And the other ones are like, "Do you mind? We're trying to plan a forced evacuation here." <laughs> well, I'm having a forced evacuation right now. Jeez, <laughs> it's like a prison cell. The toilet's right there next to the desk that they're working on, <laughs> wiping its ass with all the gurneys. <laughs> <laughs> so yep susan gets munched um and this this is bullshit because the shark now goes after thomas jade and he just fucking ninja rolls over the fucking nose onto the back and grabs the dorsal fin he pulls a fucking underwater somersault faster than a shark can swim that is absolute bullshit <laughs> i don't care how aquaman you are that is some bullshit it pulls a Godzilla and turns into a theme park ride right at the end. Just ride the shark. LL Cool J has somehow managed to get the spear gun, climb up to the tower where the battery is with his fucking mangled leg. Thomas Jane sees like, shoot, you know, shoot her, shoot her. He pulls a beginning of Jurassic Park. And so LL Cool J, like, you know, <laughs> says a little prayer. And I guess he didn't say the right prayer because he shoots through the shark's dorsal fin and goes through Thomas Jane's leg as, as, well, as well. So Thomas Jane is stuck to the fucking shark now. I want to point out that we get another, just like in Godzilla, another great damn moment. <laughs> <laughs> We've had a dam for blowing up the Chrysler building, now a dam for shooting through the shark into your friend. I just said that he said his prayer and God answered, just not always in the way he wanted. (laughs) (laughs) Too fucking shay. And so right before he gets dragged into the water, he tells LL Cool J to, you know, to blow it. 
so yeah, so the 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 wire is next to the batteries unspooling, and LL Cool J is kind of trying like, oh fuck, do I kill my friend? How much do I let this go out? There is no way that cable did not run out before he decided to actually do something. Not at all, because the shark eventually busts through the the fence underwater. Finally, uh, tears through Thomas Jade's leg. Like, holy fuck, this must have been painful. And starts swimming out to sea, like, hundreds upon hundreds of feet away from where this wire spool originated from. And by the way, dear listener, this is not a wire spool as in, like, on a spool. It's just a small coiled pile on the ground. Yeah, I'm making it sound way more, like, there's way more wire than there actually is. The winch. In, the helicopter winch had more cable than this thing. <laughs> At some point, it's about to run out, so LO Cool J completes the circuit, just like lightly taps it. Like, that's apparently enough to <laughs> set off the fucking explosion. Yeah, you just got to make the connection to a single terminal. Don't, don't complete the circuit, just a single terminal. It's a little... T- it's enough. Blows up the shark, and massive explosion, chunks flying through the air, and... Oh, cool Jay's like, yeah, and then he's like, oh, fuck, I probably just killed my friend. But nope, Thomas Jane pops out of the water, so that's nice. <laughs> and oh, Cool Jay's like, he's like, hey, Carter, bring me some sushi. And Thomas Jane laughs instead of saying, you're the goddamn chef, you make the fucking sushi. <laughs> oh, cool Jay goes down to like one of the, the, the crosswalk, whatever, ramps, and helps Thomas Jane get out of the water. The crosswalk? It's been a long episode. And Thomas Jane looks to it and rightfully says, 45 sh- foot shark and you hit me. And El Cool is like, there were just three sharks, right? We, we, we got all the sharks. Uh, the boat with the next shift comes up and Thomas Jane's like, I don't know, man, I quit this job. <laughs> I think this job just quit you, my dude. <laughs> yeah, they tried to pull the Mr. Hammond, I'm not endorsing your park, but... There's no job there to be had. (laughs) You're a shark wrangler. You killed all the sharks. There are no sharks to be wrangled. That's a couple of points off your resume. What happened to the sharks in your last job? Uh, Well, one got electrocuted. The other got blown up. What happened to the sharks you wrangled? Impromptu detonation. (laughs) (laughs) LL Cool J's response to this, he's like lying back and just like absolute fucking exasperation. He's like, take me back to the ghetto. To which Thomas Jane replies, amen. Did Thomas Jane grow up in the ghetto? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's cool if he did, but given that he's a white guy, that is highly unlikely. I'm sorry. How unfamiliar are you with Aquaman's tragic backstory of being an inner city youth? (laughs) (laughs) Well, anyways, LL Cool J wraps us out, something about his hat being a shark fin, and Akiva Goldsman, who wrote Batman and Robin, was a producer on this. You're surprised? (laughs) I'm not, but I think it was just a nice nice little button to the end of this movie. And that was Deep Lucy, but before we go, as millennials, we know that Every movie and TV show has a moral, so Jules, what did you learn today? That I can get away with copyright infringement. (laughs) Yes, you can. Oh, and John, what did you learn? I learned the optimal positioning and trajectory for smashing an underwater window. (laughs) (laughs) And I learned that you should never try to cure Alzheimer's. (laughs) Because then you're the bad guy. 
or girl. You could be a bad girl. girl. You're the bad yeah. girl. You be a or bad just girl. bad person. And before we go, uh, we need to tell you what we're doing next time. So, John, what do the folks at home have to look forward to? Oh, another cherished classic that's probably part of their childhood. We're leaving all this highfalutin scientific bullshit into the land of make-believe with Shrek. <laughs> and you got a enchanting review to get us all sparkly for, for that? No, but I do have a review from someone who is definitely awesome at parties. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fiona was the only good part about this movie. Donkey was a grating plot device and the humor was lame. <laughs> That's it. That's the whole review. <laughs> this was given a rating of 2 out of 10. Shrek 2 got a 0. <laughs> Toy Story, by the way, Toy Story also got a 0 from this reviewer. And Batman and Robin, a 7. Oh, dear. Oh, God. I do not want to meet this person. You know they're great at parties. <laughs> and that's our show. If you liked it, please subscribe. If you loved it, please share it with all your friends. And whether you liked it or loved it, we'd appreciate it if you gave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you can to help others find us. Also, be sure to like our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Links to all of that are in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time for another episode of Millennial Rewind.